Kick We're proud of, of being the bullies of the world, okay? That's what we do. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, January 13th, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 478. This is No Agenda. Double flag, but still not tagged, and back from living in exile. From the capital of the drone star state, Austin Tejas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I can hear you now, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Vaughn and Buzzkill. In the morning. <laughs> I love watching the chat room. Everyone's like, just start already. We know you. Just start. Just go. You know, hey, come on, people. Why is everybody in a hurry? I don't know. Exactly. This is the best podcast in the universe. You know, it's like. It has if, to be done right. If, thank you. It's a formula. And uh, and you have to do, you have to do it right. <laughs> you have to do a formula right. <laughs> you have to do our formula right. What's the, uh, yeah, what's yeah. the point of a formula if you don't do it so formulaically? If, so, of course, I'm back in uh, Camp Mofo in Austin, Tejas. Okay, here we go. Yay. And, of course, uh, everything is all filled with dust and all sticky and nothing works right anymore. You know, it's like like someone, like elves came in here. Well, you leave something alone for a month and it just, it, everything starts to de- deteriorate. It It's entropy. You're lucky that the place hasn't dissolved. <laughs> the entire place just, just melted away. Yeah. Or overgrown with weeds. Uh, well, um... We're lucky to be here, I would say. Okay, well let's let's start let's start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's start at a, a day of departure. How about that? Okay, let's start. You're in the uh, your little rental. No, 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 no. No, first of all, before we left, we we got a good little karma boost. Uh as uh, guess who showed up in Amsterdam? Dressed to the nines, I might add, you know, almost looking, you know, like he had like a zoot suit on with a hat and the tie, the whole thing. The mysterious Sir Jean. Sir Jean, exactly. Sir Jean Naftuliev shows up in Amsterdam. And and I'd seen him previously in Austin, and he looked like a biker. You know, he had a do-rag. <laughs> he, he, he dresses for the occasion. I don't know if he's dressing for the occasion. What does he do for a living? I think he's a fixer. I think, yes, correct. <laughs> you are correct, sir. He's a fixer. That's exactly what he is. He fixes stuff. You know, uh, he sent me a hoodie. Oh, uh, an, an, an FBI Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he sent one for Mickey, a pink one, and we we pleaded with him to send you a pink one as well. Oh, thank you, Gene, for not sending me a pink one, which would have never been worn. <laughs> but one. have you seen the slogan on the uh, on the emblem? What does it say? It says something like FBI Dallas. We've got our eyes on you. <laughs> something like that uh, yeah some creepy <laughs> it's very creepy anyway so uh, then taxi eric took us to the airport so that's where it all started uh you know the first thing is oh you have four bags and we'd, we'd already shipped stuff in boxes uh via postal you know sea mail yeah you'll get it in a couple years yeah and uh, and they said, well, you know, um, you have to pay for each. You can only have one bag each. I'm like, this is crazy. I flew over. Wait, hold on a second. Thank you. Wait, just stop. You're telling me that if I'm flying overseas. Yep. I'm flying overseas. I'm hauling my butt across the ocean. And I'm probably going to stay a while because of that long, because it's a long trip. I can only bring one bag now. On on what carrier was this? Well, here's this- well, here's what's interesting is because I you know and I just had regular um, uh, what I, economy 
I think it was economy comfort class. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the comfort part is. Um, and, and so, you know, first it's KLM, and so Delta is part of their, their network. And I had two bags, checked two bags. No, not a problem. No, you know, no one threw up and no one said anything. And Mickey, by the way, I checked, who also flew over economy when, you know, when she left like, you know, last year, she also had two bags and there was no problem. It was like, okay, two bags, check them through and uh, through Delta and then straight through to Amsterdam. And I had the same. Now we show up at the airport with our same bags. Uh, it's like, oh no, I'm sorry. One bag only. And we're like, what are you talking about? And, and, and like, well, uh, I don't know why you were able to take it on the way over, but we're looking at your status. <laughs> and, you know, we used to fly a lot, and so we had, like, KLM gold cards. Now you're just ivory. <laughs> what? You're ivory. Shut up, slave. You don't count. So maybe it was because you were gold, and now you're ivory. Okay. So we wound up, uh, yeah, th- that's uh, 150 euros extra. What? Yeah, 75 per bag. So wait a minute. So you have, why don't you carry a bag on? These are big bags, John. These are not, these oh. are not bags you can, <clears throat> you know, this is where the airlines are making the money though. You know, they made in America alone, I think they made $3 billion in baggage fees. This is, this is how it's, how it works. Anyway, so regardless, uh, we, now this is the same thing that happened on the way over the, you know, they're flying these plastic planes, Airbus. And it's the, I think it's the 340. The four engines? I don't recall. I think, I just think it's the 340. Yeah, it has to be the 340. And so what they've done in the, you know, is you have the middle four seats. And no no matter what seat you have, you have a a metal box right there kind of at your leg, either either right leg or your left leg. It's the the stupidest configuration ever. And what's worth it... That box is is for the in-seat entertainment, which is crap anyway. Wait, there's a big giant metal box so you can't stick your feet under the chair in front of you? You can you can stick it under the seat in front of you, but you have to route it around the box. So it's like imagine you have the leg what of the they, that's and, dumb. It is. And and I had a long discussion with the senior purser about this. And he said, "Yeah, no, this is pretty dumb." I said, well, "Yeah, but this is this, this Said, yeah, this is how they configured the aircraft. The entire middle row of four seats has this box, and in fact, no, it even has on the right hand side as well. I, don't, I didn't check left, but on the right hand side, where's two seats? It doesn't matter. It's uncomfortable and it's it's lame. It's uh. it's a lame configuration. So we're off um, now. We're tired, and this is a four thirty afternoon flight, and of course, we have to go to Atlanta, and then from Atlanta, we have to get Ms. Mickey better known as Mabel, or sometimes Maud, or sometimes Millicent, or whatever crikey name you guys have come up with her today. we got to get her through uh, th- into the country and then on to the uh, flight from Atlanta to Austin. And so uh, now, you know, this is a, an eight-and-a-half-hour flight, so and now my back is still completely messed up, completely. And I have to, you know... So you have muscle spasms, yeah, so you get yeah. your back went out. Yeah, so, uh, so I pop a Vicodin. That's helping me out. I'm like, yay! Yeah, yeah, heck with a box. <laughs> box is great. I'm having a good time Wait a now. <laughs> give me, give me a Bloody Mary. All right, Bloody Mary. You know, then it's like okay. You know, <laughs> after like three hours, like, yeah, hey, give me one of those uh, Tamazepam uh, pills, which is like, you know what Tamazepam is, don't you? 
It's something. Yeah, it's a, it's a, sleep- it's a muscle relaxer. No, it's a sleeping aid. A sleeping pill. All right. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm out. Mickey's out. So we're like, ah, we're drooling for four hours. We wake up an hour and a half before we land. Okay. And then uh, we land at uh, Hartfield. Is it Hartfield Jackson Airport? I think it is in Atlanta. Whatever it is. It, the big airport. Yeah. And so we land at uh, 8.15. Our flight to Austin is at 10. And there's a thousand people <laughs> at customs. I, I'm, I, I really, in fact, here's the crazy thing: they separate you between citizens and uh, and foreigners. The foreigner line was half the size of the citizen line. And you know, it's just, uh, you feel like such. And of course, this and there's all signs everywhere. Join the global entry program. You won't have to sit oh, through this. Yeah. Or join yeah, the yeah. global entry program. All we want is a retinal scan. No, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, you know, and so this is now, and uh, now it's 9 o'clock. I'm still not at the front of the line. And then it's like (laughs) 9 o'clock. Everything stops because, of course, the Customs and Border Patrol, the shift changes. Oh, yeah. I was, I've been there for one of these. Oh, yeah, my. Everybody stops working. No, no. They, they get on the phone. They put on their jacket. And then the other guys, you know, or, or woman shows up and they wait and then that person has to log in has to clean their stamp has to wipe down has to wipe down the yeah i'm not kidding they're cleaning their stamp stamp they're cleaning their stamp you know they're wiping everything down you know adjusting the monitor to the right height you know the chair and everything and then the hand goes up and like wave wave come on slavelet you're next so that you know that takes ten minutes, and I'm just seeing the clock tick away. I'm like, ah. Oh. So finally, I go through. And by the way, the guy's kind of annoying. What food did you bring in? This is a new trick they're doing. What food did you bring in? Instead of did you bring any food? But I didn't bring any food. This note is very subtle that they're doing. He should, this. He should have said, I didn't know I was supposed to bring in food. <laughs> Do you want a sandwich? I, I might. I might have some peanuts. I don't here think. For- I didn't know. When did this happen? I didn't know I was supposed to bring in food. I didn't bring in. What would I bring in food for? That's very funny. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll remember to do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> if there is a next time. <laughs> um, then he's like, alcohol. Uh, like, no. And remember now, I, I, I've had a, a, a sleeping pill. I've had so you're a, wasted, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm awake. And I'm like, uh, and it's, you know. Uh, and of course, it's uh, it's now three in the morning, body clock time, because we were way adjusted to uh, Gitmo Nation Euroland. Uh, and then he's like, smoking? <laughs> what? No, man, I gave up four months ago. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm giving him this information. <laughs> you, what, you told me you gave up four months ago? <laughs> I don't need, smoking? Yeah, what? They're taking these pills. These are truth serum pills. <laughs> You're going to be telling them all kinds of stuff. Yes, okay. Yeah, the truth serum. So I'm approved. Okay, this is good. Now, you know, we'd, we'd also crossed off the family members traveling with you because we don't want to confuse anybody yeah. ab- about any uh, petition under a green card for a spouse and all this stuff. Yeah, just get in. Just get in, right? And as I go, I see that Mickey is still waiting for the changing of the guard over there on the foreigner side. So I'm like, okay, I go get the bags, which I, I say we're lucky the bags are there. So I load up two carts. That's and, a plus. And then I can just see Mickey who has her hair up. You know, and she's a, she's a tall woman. And I just see this little, little like, antenna of hair above, uh, above the, the booth where she's situated. And I can see it bobbing around and bobbing and bobbing. I'm like, oh, this is taking way too long. Some and, girl? Um, no, guy. 
A little guy? A, a little guy. guy? A guy, yeah. He's, why do you think he's bobbing? <laughs> hey, 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 And then all of a sudden I see her and the guy with the passport in the plastic baggie walking towards me. Oh, no. Yeah, and I'm like, uh-oh. And I'm like, what, should I say something? Because they're walking straight toward me. I didn't know that they have to then turn a right to get into the little... You know, the little uh, enclosed slave quarters where they do a secondary on you. And and Mickey's looking straight at me, kind of like with that, don't say anything. <laughs> don't acknowledge me. And I'm like, uh, and, and I'm, I'm literally standing right there with two carts with four huge bags. Now it's like 9.25. And, and, and we still have to somehow get our bags onto the, I, I don't know how the airport works. I got to get it into the. Domestic, right, you know, forward. We got to go to the other gate, whatever. So then Mickey goes in, but she's able to text me. She says, "There's a second flag on me." <laughs> Not sure what it is. So she, she had a flag for too tall. <laughs> Who knows? Well, so I'm standing there. I'm standing. You know, now people are like starting to question me. Why are you here? Why are you here? Move it along. No <laughs> photos. <laughs> no, for, don't text. No, no cell phone usage here, sir. <laughs> And uh, I'm like, I'm waiting on my partner. Now, this is how, how about my how about that word? How my partner? Is Beautiful. That, I think it was smart. Um, is that him? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a tall blonde uh, woman. So Mickey comes out nine forty three, and she's actually she's smiling. She said there was some secondary, uh, but they were all really nice. They recognized me. And it's hard not to remember this woman who was you know in hysterics, of course. The last time she went through, they were all really, really nice. But there was a secondary flag, and uh, she, I, you know, I just wanted to get out. I, I didn't ask what it was. Once I said I was good to go, I just, I just booked out. So now we're like, uh oh, uh, what are we gonna do? So we we run through the, you know, then you have to hand off your customs form, and the guy goes, "What food did you bring?" Again, I missed a great opportunity to say, "Ah, oh, I should have brought you a salad." Uh, and he, so he was nice. He saw that we were in a hurry. He said, nothing. He said, okay, go. And, you know, he was just, they were actually, I have to say, nice. So they let us through. But now it's 943 and the, and the flight leaves at nine, you know, at 956 is when it's scheduled to leave. And then we round the corner. There's a guy there. He says, ah, oh, don't worry. I'll take your bags. I'll, uh, I'll get them through the domestic. I'm like, well, we'll probably never see those again anyway. It's going to take days. And then we have to run through security. Right, so we have to take everything off shoes, so, you know, everything, and then Mickey, bless her heart, she she says opt out. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what? And they said we don't have a, a female assist. And, and now it's now we have nine minutes to go, and we have to get on the freaking train in the Atlanta terminal. You know how that works? Where you oh, got this? that thing's terrible. Oh. So I say, I say out loud. I swear, Mickey, forget it. Let's just go through the slave scanner. And all these people, like all these TSA agents, looked at me like, "What did you say?" I said, "Just go, get in the slave scanner." And so we go through the scanner, and they literally, when I'm coming out the other end, they said, oh, "That wasn't too bad, was it?" <laughs> the the weirdest blind, <laughs> but they didn't check uh, my ID. There's none of that. I don't know if they don't have to or whatever, but there was no, no checking. And then you know, we we're at F. We have to go to B thirty six. So we've got four train stops, oh. and you know, and, and and this is not the train where the doors close. You know, whether you're you're in or not. You know, this is one like, oh, there's somebody over there, at least twenty feet away. Let's keep the doors open. 
And so we're at sea, and, and just uh. people piling on. I'm, like, ready to say, I'm just ready to hit someone, because now it's, it's like, 9.53. And at this point, I'm like, this is not going to happen. So we're at B. You have to go up the escalator. Now, here's the mistake I made. So I've got a big carry-on. I've got Mickey's camera bag. I've got laptop bags. I've had a Vicodin. I've had a sleeping pill. I've had Bloody Marys. I decide a good idea is to run up the escalator. Let me tell you, this is not a good idea. <laughs> I get to the top of this escalator. I'm like, I don't. I'm, not, I'm just going to die. I, I can't do it anymore. And then it, <laughs> B36 is all the way at the end. I kid you not, all the way at the end. And then you know, and then Mickey and Mickey's in the same situation. And you know, and then her bag, her the snap of the the strap oh. of her bag breaks. Psh, you know, the, oh, her you bag's on the like ground. It. It's it's like it's like a, you can't even write this stuff. Sounds like a comedy. But then she sees that there's that there's still a gate agent at thirty. I mean, I can't see this at this point. I'm so blind. But she's got the distance uh, vision. And then she starts. She just pours on the steam, and she's like, "Screw it! I'm going to go stop this plane." And I swear to God, she stopped the freaking plane. She's there, and she and this and the woman goes, "Okay, I'll let you on." <laughs> and we get on. Kunk, door closes. We're off. Now and and now we're, we're we're literally like we can't talk. Our throats are all swollen. You know, <laughs> what? Now, can you give me some water? <laughs> Yeah, you because know, of you know, all the all the chemicals and every God knows what's going on, and then uh, so we basically we collapse for uh, you know the hour and a half flight. We get there, lo and behold, our bags are first off the belt. This is great. Of course, well, they, were, they went last. They went last. Right? I mean, who who would have expected that? No, I would expect it on the next plane. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't expect it for two days. Then we get, um, and so we need a cab because of course I didn't park the car at the airport, not knowing how long it would take. And we get into a cab. The guy is from Ethiopia. His name is um, Helul. Did everyone call me Hello? But my name is Helul. And, so, and, uh, and he's from Ethiopia. He barely speaks English, but he, you know the English he speaks is okay. And he's got one of these vans. So um, like you know where you want to go? And I said and I give him the address. I said, I, what? 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 <sighs> give me your damn GPS. I'll type it in. I type it in. Oh, thank you. Then we're driving, and then uh, he's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> what? Oh, I can never get there. I have no gas, no gas. Yeah, and I'm, you know, you know this scam where, like, you got any cash for the gas? I was expecting that, but he literally had no gas. This is a cab driver. Uh, so we pull over, and, you know, and then the, the rear gate uh, with the, 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 you know, there's lights flashing that the, the tailgate is about to open and our bags are about to pop out. So I spend another 15 minutes with the guy, you know, doing this, closing it all up. And then, you know, we're, we're like 35 minutes from the airport. We have a hill to get up, you know, before you get up here at Camp Mofo. And it's raining at this point. And, and, and you know, so once raining, the roads also get pretty slick. And so we've got all this gear in the back. We're in the back. He's in the front. Front wheel drive. We go up the hill. And we start sliding backwards in the dark. <clears throat> on on this hill, which, you know, essentially, if you don't make the curve around the hill, you're going into Lake Travis. And Mickey's freaking out. She's <laughs> and the, the tires are going. And this guy. Oh. Bald tires, too. <laughs> this guy's going, oh, this is not good. And I say, stop, stop, just stop. Just put your foot on the brake. I have to get out. I have to now direct this guy on a hill in the dark 
off to the side so we can, you know, essentially shoot the approach from a different angle. And then we finally, finally get home. Now it's 1230 and we're here. And 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 we're here. Well, the moral <laughs> to the story is ain't traveling wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. And of course, uh, there's just boxes of stuff here and the mail and, you know, God knows. Yeah, you what's, got a month of mail. Yeah. Bills. Uh, and, and, you know, and also like a friendly reminder that we have to leave the premises uh, in a few weeks. So yesterday we spent time uh, looking at uh, looking at other places, you know, other places to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Did, what kind of friend are you actually? When you, all you can do is, <laughs> hey, you made it. <laughs> it was what was really. And we got a good story out of it. What was really nice, though, is that you know when I when we landed in Atlanta, I had at least twenty emails from producers saying. I'm here in Atlanta. One phone call, I'll pick you up. We'll take care of you. Literally, you know, like gypsy ring oh, stuff. Oh, you got stuck there, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mr. Oil was up all night tracking, you know, every flight, <laughs> all our movements <laughs> throughout every bit of the process. He said that by some strange coincidence, I guess, uh, the Delta flight from Atlanta to Austin had actually called in a delayed departure, which is the only reason why we made it. And uh, I'm not sure why that happened. The flight was only half full, so. Well, it's, they it, have delayed. Well, probably that's hmm. me. I don't know. I mean, or, delayed departure seems to be pretty routine nowadays, especially from certain airports. Well, New also, York, for example. I'm I'm thinking that uh, one of our uh, it's possible one of our Somebody producers might have, have done something. They supposed to usually they hold up. I've been on flights where they where they stop. They hold the flight up and say, "We got some international travelers that are late connections. We're going to wait for them." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're just going to take us another 15 minutes. And you yeah. sit there for 15 minutes waiting for these guys to get on. Yeah, I, I, I got on a plane once where the door closed right behind me. I always thought that was cool. Yeah. Of course, everybody glares at me. <laughs> A-hole, we were waiting here for you. Eh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, but, I, but you know, luckily, I, I think what's nice is that Ms. Mickey said, you know, her, even though there was a secondary flag, we don't know what it is. They said, have you ever been arrested? That was like the questioning she got. <laughs> so I'm, we're a little worried as to what that secondary flag is exactly. Um, but she did say that everyone was really, really nice and that they were all like, hey, did you get your visa? You got your 01? Okay, that's great. Yeah, we'll try and hurry you through. They were really being nice. So I have to. Yeah, uh, they can be nice. I give, have to have that experience quite often, except in New York. Yeah, well, I just have to give props where when, when props are due because, uh, you know, I'm pretty mean it's, about it. Again, customs isn't you know isn't the, the TSA people. Yeah, it's Homeland Security, absolutely. Yeah, I know they are, but they're not TSA division. No, they're not TSA, but they're Homeland Security, and you just look at the, well, the I know, dude. But that's so is the Coast Guard. I mean, they, well, they exactly. They make everything Homeland Security if they right. can get it under the budget umbrella. So, but you look at the dude running the show there, and uh, and you know what's underneath is not going to be much better. That's it's isn't that obvious? Well, I don't like it. I don't understand why the Coast Guard is under Department of Homeland Security. It should be a military. It just makes no sense. Anyway, the house was not robbed. Nick the Rat, very funny. No, no, that was... So everything else was... And the neighbors, it's kind of cute. You know, they'd, they'd put Christmas tree decorations in the yard, and they'd hung up a wreath on the house, you know, in the futile hope that we would return for Christmas. Uh, but, you know, so it's kind of cute that they did that, and... And they took care of everything, and now we can thank them by giving them some Dutch chocolate and tell them that we're leaving. So you didn't bring in any food. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. 
I didn't bring any food. Chocolate. By the way, the key to success when you bring food in <laughs> yeah. is never say it's a gift. Oh, really? Yeah, it's for personal use. But you can't bring any food, period. I mean, that's just... No, yeah, you can bring food in, but it, ha it can never be for anything but personal use. You you're, you brought it in to eat it. I mean, you can't bring in certain meats, but right. I, I got the briefing from the... Uh, Border Patrol or customs guys in uh, uh, Port Angeles uh, to Victoria, Canada. And they said the trick is that what happens if they bring it as a gift, uh -huh. then they're confiscated right on the spot. Hmm. Hey, so here's what was really nice as I'm going through the through the mail, uh, which will take me a few more days because we got to, like, get a new lease together first. Um, I opened up one box, and it was the uh, No Agenda Moonshine. Oh, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and we had some last night. We read the documentation. Yes, good good going. It says, please be careful with it. It will burn your nose and throat, but you can cut it with distilled water to make a more vodka-like spirit that will not catch fire and comp <laughs> that will not catch fire. <laughs> oh, yeah, this stuff will burn like a champ. <laughs> I didn't re that didn't register yesterday when I was drinking it. Um, uh, he said, because this was distilled from sugar cane based rather than grain, there's no methanol produced by the yeast. As a result, there's no chance this spirit will make you go blind. And this is from right. Sir, uh, Sir Coggs. And it's a beautiful bottle. I mean, oh, he, he had this decal dynamite. on. I mean, th this is a product that I think with has the legs. Logo. It, yeah, it has legs. I think this can be sold. We diluted it with water. And, uh, and Mickey actually, she was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> She didn't even finish it, though. Uh, I finished it. And I was like, yeah, we had a little ice, a little water, just drank it that way. Yeah, it's a vodka. It's a, essentially with the water in it. It's dynamite, uh, man. It's it was, essentially vodka. No matter. I mean, you can call it whatever you want, advertising. It, it, it tasted like a really nice vodka. When you, when you dilute it a little bit with water, it tasted just like a, a really nice vodka. And you could it's mix exactly it with something exactly what else. it is. Yeah. But, but it, the, the bottle is beautiful. The, the whole... I presume you had the same bottle and the same decal yeah. as I had. Yeah. That's a product, John. That is a that is a, I think that's a, a forty, forty nine dollar bottle of juice right there. It's the hundred and eighty proof beauty, yeah. I think no, it's, it's, it's a gem. We have to figure out some way of putting it, that into play. I'm, I'm going to take a picture of the uh, uh actually maybe Ms. Mickey, I know she's listening. Maybe she can take a picture and tweet it uh right now uh, so that people can see it live. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful it just the whole product is great. I'm just like, yeah. you know, the and, box is nice. And he was able to send it to me. So can we just ship this well. stuff statewide or <laughs> or it now it wasn't in the mason jar, which is kind of what I wanted. No, I think this that, is better. Well, classier. I, I know what you're saying, but the mason jars is just is cliched. No, it's a just starting that people are doing the mason jar. This is no, not I no, saw no, no, mason no. jars in the 70s. This this is nothing new. Yeah, but the people who drink are new, since that audience is starting to die off, the ones that saw that in the 70s. Exactly. Another hey. one bites the dust. Hey, hey, speaking of dying, John... Good news. Our third story out front. Breaking, Breaking news. news. The Centers for Disease Control have just told CNN that the flu is now at epidemic levels. Epidemic levels! I'm glad I got back just in time. Just Yeah, in just time to catch it. It's the no agenda swine flu minute. Let's just have a listen to uh, Aaron Burnett here with her report. In the United States. Right now, widespread in widespread. 41 states. We'll hold that map up there so you can see it. It's the latest map we have from the CDC. And all the red is where there is high flu activity. Now, I'm going to flip it to look at the same time last year Woo! she's gonna flip it stand back she's flipping flipping the cartoon drawing green Whoa! Oh! 
minimal activity. I mean, a totally different picture. This year's flu, well, that's proof right there. flu season came sooner than expected and already, obviously, significantly Hold more severe. How is this sooner than expected? We're in January. Be- because she flipped it and, it's, and it was green last year, so there's proof. No, it's been green every year since, no, since I'm about so- 2003. Hey, 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 hey. Shut up already. Science. So far, the CDC says there have been 2,257 hospitalizations and 18 children have died. Died! There has been no nationwide tally yet on adult deaths, but Minnesota officials say there's 27 in their state alone, 22 in South Carolina, 13 in Indiana, 7 in Arkansas, 6 in Illinois. Ted Rowland says... Here's kind of the funny thing, is that Texas... (laughs) <laughs> is completely red, as in, you know, like, we're wa- we're walking dead here, according to this uh, CNN report. But California is completely green, yet, you know, Buzzkill Jr. sick, his girlfriend's sick, you're drinking mushroom juice so you don't get sick. What no, is actually, going I on? I Tamiflu. Oh, really? You t- yeah. So, but I like the mushroom juice, and I was at the market yesterday, but I couldn't remember the damn mushroom I'm supposed Rishi. to ask for. Rishi. So you take a Rishi mushroom, and then you just juice it? <laughs> Yeah, well, look it up. <laughs> look at Google, Google it. How come you don't, I mean, don't, why don't we have a, a, a John C. DeVork no agenda swine flu recipe? I don't understand. Why are you sending me to the Googles? Uh, it's JC's thing. I mean, he's the one who oh. knows all about how to make it. He's all these different formulations. The guy who was drinking Yeshi's Shushi Well, it didn't help him. Of course not. I mean, I didn't. I saw what happened to his girlfriend. She's still like can bar- she can barely walk. Really? Literally. Is it that bad? Because it went after her joints, and so she's like she looks like an old grandmother wandering around. <laughs> and so JC got it. Although he started, oh, he wouldn't take my advice and 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 take some Tamiflu. Uh, Use uh, well, actually, he, he, we have Relenza too, right? But I, uh, a couple of days of now, her having, is, I is said, the, you know, is this the puking? I think I was going to take a prophylactic round of Tamiflu. Is this the pu- is it the puking pooping flu or is this the? Oh no, of- everything. Oh really? Puking poo- uh, bad uh, gastroenteritis. Oh, oh, She's no. got joints. Oh no, high fever. It's a mess. Oh, and oh. so Jace. It's it's not one you want to get. So I just loaded up on all these these preventatives, and uh, I everyone's sick but me. So I want you to listen to the rest. of the, So this was like a fifteen minute report, and I pulled another two minutes. She has this doctor on, and uh, and you'll recognize where this doctor's work. Uh, well, she'll actually tell you where he worked before. But they're really loading it on this year. I mean, now it's you know because you know of course what this is all about. You know we've got a. You know, shoot the slaves up with some vaccines, but let's let's spark a little bit of panic here as well. People in tents. It's it's something you expect in other parts of the world. How does this happen? It is frightening. frightening. This is the worst uh, flu season we've had in ten years. Now, the worst in ten years, John. Ten years. This supersedes supersedes the swine flu. Worst in ten years. Well, I think it is the worst in ten years. I'm in total agreement with this, and we don't really know how bad it's going to be. Uh, we, in New York alone, for example, we are already well ahead of where we were last year. You know what? I, what this guy's done. I, I know what the problem is. By the way, yeah. they, they don't even discuss this. Okay. So Jesse, who caught the flu because she works in a in the at the ferry building in a, in a one of the small you know boutique stores for all the rich jerk offs from uh, Knob Hill, right? Uh, Pacific Heights. Uh, all these companies, all the all the noodle kids, and all these guys out there. In fact, it's kind of stunning when I discuss this with them. <laughs> the none kids. of them, none of them, none of these, none of the people in their twenties that are working for a living have sick leave. They don't give it to them. 
It's because oh. it's a union thing. There's no sick leave anymore. So they say, you got to come to work. You got to come to work. So she's actually has essentially all these people, all of them, they all have the flu. And they're all forced to go work in a public place with the public. And it's just passing this around like crazy because there's no sick leave. There has to be legislative sick leave mandated by the government because there's nobody's going to give it to anybody. No, nah, you got to come to work. Really? So they make all these people who are sick as dogs huh. go to work and contaminate the public. And and so this thing spreads like crazy. And that's the public health problem. And nobody in all these reports, you won't have anybody mentioning anything about this. Well, that doesn't matter because if we just give them a shot, then they can go, they can go right back to work. Well, the problem is they they finally got they're being honest about the shot. All the news reports, especially in the last week, say the shot. Even though we had some reports saying it was supposed to work pretty well, they say it's fifty seven percent effective. Oh, well, so it doesn't work. The shot a, doesn't work. Oh no, 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 no. They, no, CNN's on a different track with that. Here, check it out. Well, and, that's uh, the track that they're probably the, the just to sell shots. But well, it's just not well, listen. Projected to go much higher, as you say. The flu season started earlier, and it may run longer. Now. We are ill-prepared for this. We don't have the negative pressure rooms, which are required to isolate people. Negative pressure rooms. Now, do you, are you getting a feeling already where this guy is from? Do you, do you remember who this guy is? If you don't, we're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. We frankly don't have enough vaccine. Ooh. We have 135 million doses of vaccine, and we have almost twice as many people in the United States. Choose your favorite child. So, but the, but the <laughs> short answer is we really don't know what's different this year. Why we have more flu. And that's what the sort of frightening. And you serve as an advisor on the film Contagion, as I just told oh, our viewers. Oh, he was an advisor on the film Contagion. Yes, that's where we know him from. Um, in that scenario, an outbreak quickly spreads around the world and it's frightening. And, you know, millions of people can die. Is America millions of people can die? I'd heard it. To deal with a real pandemic. Because obviously, looking at what we just saw in that piece and what we're seeing now, I mean, especially given all the threats from terror that this country has faced, terror. it's pretty shocking. It doesn't seem like we're ready. Well, the good news is that we have newer, faster, better ways of making vaccines now okay. than we had a few years ago. So we can produce vaccines and we can get them out where they can actually protect people. We also have no evidence that these flu strains that are circulating this year are going to be resistant to the drugs that we have. He says no evidence, John. He's and this is he was advisor on contagion. He's Everybody's been talking about he's this. An CDC Hello. About it. He's an advisor on contagion. I don't think you know what you're talking about. So in fact, <laughs> if we can get to people and you know within appropriate period of time, we can actually have an impact. All right, so there's a couple of positive things, but Colonel Larson, you worked with former senators Bob Graham and Jim Tallon at the bipartisan uh, WMD Research Center and you what? issued a Yeah, WMD. Yeah, now we're now we're already over to weapons of How mass did we destruction. Get from the flu to WMDs. Well, because there's something brewing, brother. Bioterrorism report card, just where the United States is. Are we ready? And after 9 11, it was a big priority for this country to be ready. And here's what it looked like there were no A's, and there were a lot of D's and a lot of F's. And so basically, what she did is, she, so the, there, you know, this of course is going to be a money grab somewhere. The whole idea is, well, we weren't ready for this flu, but it's just the flu, people, and we don't have enough vaccines. And look, if this were an anthrax attack, that's where she takes this. I don't have to play the rest of the clip because that's exactly what she says. Ah, boo. What, boo? She stinks. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know if she actually stinks. She probably smells quite nice. Oh, that could be. I have a feeling that Aaron smells kind of like... You know, like when you when you smell a uh, a newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, she has some appeal. <laughs> hey, in the morning to you there, John C. In the morning to you, Adam Curry. Welcome back to the U.S. of A. Thank you. Thank and you very in much. in the morning to all the ships that see boots on the ground, subs in the water, feet in the air, and all the knights and dames out there. Yes, and uh, to our human resources in the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Hello, Void Zero, Mr. Oil, and uh, Sir Gitmo Slave, apparently in the in hospital. I hope everything's okay. Not sure if that was planned or not. And while we're on the list, I have here... From uh, Christy Harriman, uh, it'll be a little tough to hear. It's a YouTube video uh, from uh, one of their friends at the general intercessions at their wedding, which uh, I've never heard of this, but I guess this is the general intercession. Is that kind of like the general prayer that you do at, uh, at, 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 a, at, a, at any kind of ceremony? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Intercessions. I looked it up on the, in the Book of Knowledge. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'd have to look it up myself. Um, here, I've looked it up. Somebody got married, and so they had an intercession? Isn't that where they bring them out and say, no, no, don't get married, and slap them around? <laughs> no, I don't think that's, that's an intervention. <laughs> no, so they, one of their friends you know, does a, a prayer. And uh, I tweeted this. A lot of people knew exactly. I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't go to church, so I don't know what this is. But he's up there in, like, the pulpit area. And listen to what he says. Could you hear it? Sounds like he's giving code to some alien landing. He said, boots on the ground. Subs under the water, oh, right. ships at sea, feet in the air, and he's looking. He's looking around. Anyone's noticing? <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little hard to hear, but you see it with, yeah, with, the, with the video. It's a little better. He's like boots on the ground, subs under the water, <laughs> ships at sea, and air. feet in the air. <laughs> very good, very very good. We like that a lot. That was good. Um, oh, and uh, well, I, I do have another PR thing. Captain Fred, who's uh, in Austin here. Yo, Cristore! Captain Fred, uh, he, does a, he does a couple of podcasts. And he went to the uh, New Media Expo where they had the, the podcast awards. Yes. And he, uh, and he confronted uh, Mr. Podcast Award himself, Todd Cochran. He confronted him about... Uh, about our little show here. This is Fred Castellano, the struggling entrepreneur. We're here at New Media Expo, which happens to be the conference for podcasters. And I'm here with Todd Cochran from Raw Voice and also the Blueberry Man. He's also the chairman of the Podcast Awards, the People's Choice. And so I have one question for you, Todd, and that is if you if you had a category for the best podcast in the universe, which one would it be? <laughs> no Agenda. Noagenda.com. Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. <laughs> All right. Oh, way the to go. <laughs> Captain Fred. <laughs> I love you, man. That's funny. <laughs> Just go up there and harass people. It's like, hey, man, you're like these podcast awards are bogative, man. Well, Just, they, they, some of them sure are. I mean, they had the... Uh, <laughs> My favorite is the there was some category, and the guy who won was Audacity to Podcast. <sighs> And it's a podcast about making podcasts using audacity. Really? And it's just, I mean, it's, I don't, it's, it should be, I, I'm befuddled <laughs> by the, this winning. There's some, actually some pretty good, uh, on pretty good names nominated, but yeah. I was okay, whatever. Yeah. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it it doesn't know. matter. It's all bogative. It's uh, bots. And Leo didn't even get nominated and he kind of groused about it. 
for uh, Twit for the best tech podcast. Well, I guess he's just no longer the best tech podcast. They have him. Here's the joke of it. They have him keynote and give the awards out, and then they snub him. Well, this, <laughs> I just thought this was hilarious. But this, this They is, snub him for – they couldn't even give him a gratuitous nomination. This is why I don't do any of these things. I, I, you know, They always ask me. I'm like, where's my award? Well, exactly. no, like no, what you should do. It's it's, exactly what you should do. Yeah, in, in, unless I, ha- unless I know, have, yeah, right. unless I have received an award at one point, and yeah, like the very first podcast awards, the very, very, very first, I got best produced or something. I'm like, man, whatever, you know that 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 that's like. Uh, it doesn't no, sound they, right. We know that these awards, and we, I could talk about this again about how the top ten lists in magazines, yeah, are, yeah, all, just, all the rest. Well, of it. these aren't though. These 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 are voted on. By the yeah, public, but, but you could put a bot out there and just vote the crap out of yourself. Oh, really? Is that possible? Yeah, and I think we should do it next time. <laughs> now, well, we oh, we tried that. Remember no, last we year? Right. We tried last year. We said get get the bots going. No, and everyone's like, Who gives a, we got nobody's going to put bots out <laughs> unless we, got, we pay them. We got other things to do. And and you know what? I don't think it really. You don't think you achieve anything. I don't think it. I don't think you, you get anything for it. You get a, a last award. Mm. Um, do we have uh, anyone to thank for uh, supporting the show? Yeah, we do. We have a couple of executive producers um, we want to thank, is, and let me get good. to them. This is good. Yeah, uh, We have one executive producer and one, two, three, four, five associate executives, which is an wow. interesting combination. Interesting. And the executive producer is anonymous. <laughs> okay. From and Ohio. And- Hi, Anonymous. Welcome back, Gitmo Slaves, Mickey and Adam. Again, I have Karma to spare, so I'm sending mine your way. $100 for Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity. Should be approaching a night status in a couple of months. Can I get a science and de-douching Anonymous until knighthood? I think he says it's science. There's, there's a difference between it's between science and it's science. I get a it's science. Shut up already. Science. <laughs> You've been de-douched. Why do I have a feeling that's going to get requested a lot? It's great. <laughs> I've got. It's, I, it's re- actually kind of sexy. I've received two. Mm, yeah, I've received it's two fancy. two emails from people who are very upset about this. What? Yeah, they're like, Doctor Kiki's really good, man. It's just unfortunate. Just an unfortunate moment. I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so what? And now she'd be branded as a ditz. No, I don't think so. No. 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 Scott Spencer, Black Knight Scott, as a matter of fact, in Dawsonville, of all places, Georgia, two, three, four, five, six. Nice. Hi, Jonas and Asher. <laughs> Black Knight Scott in Dawsonville, not drunk yet, but working on, haven't donated in a while, so I'm overdue. This one should put me to my second knighthood, no karma needed. Uh, for me right now, except please give me to, uh, please give some to Asher and Millicent for their relocation. Wish I could have met you in Atlanta. Yeah. So Sir Scott, uh, indeed sent us, uh, he was one of the people who sent us a note and said, you know, just flash the bat signal. I'll come and pick you up. Thank you very much. Appreciate the karma shot. You've got karma. That was, that was really endearing. We'll c- calculate your knighthood for the next show. We don't have it for today. Mm-hmm. We have a sick... Uh, Buzzkill Jr. who had to go back to bed. Oh, the noodles kid had to go back to bed. It didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Kalen or Callen, Callen, Kalen Nistor in Northville, Michigan. 
Mr. Nistor from Northville, Michigan. Around episode 100, a listener was trying to get your attention about fee, the golden ratio. It's worth learning about this amazing number, 1.618, to understand how it's linked to almost everything in the universe of ours, DNA, plants, astronomy, human anatomy, etc. Thanks for the count. I know about this thing. Isn't that uh, Fibonacci? Is that what you call it? No, no, no. This is a, the, the, it's a very interesting ratio of things. It's the golden ratio. Yeah, and what, it, it, people use it in f- photography a lot. And, uh, and, Minky probably knows and, about yeah, it. And credit cards have the golden ratio. Thanks for the countless hours of entertainment and kick-ass journalism. Please keep it coming. P.S. Have you seen the genetically modified salmon stories? Yes. Here's a link, and it goes on. Yeah, big yeah. giant salmon. They're going to eat everything. No, no, no. I mean, I, I have been. I am no longer eating salmon unless I've seen the bear that caught it because they are. I mean, salmon is becoming the new tilapia. It's really, yeah, it's yeah, really, really disgusting. Why? Why, why, did they, why did they choose salmon specifically, John? Why do you think people, that is? Because it was always overpriced. People seem to like it. Even though I don't like farmed anyway, shape or form salmon, we get our salmon from uh, a bunch of Indians in the Pacific Northwest who in the off season when it's illegal to catch salmon, they still have the rights to catch salmon and they do it and then they sell it at the farmer's market, get good salmon. Although I think it's completely illegal the way they're doing it. Right. Anyway, came at 222-222-222. Sir Michael Miller and Tiburon over here. Hey, Michael. Hmm. Welcome back, Adam and Mickey. Well, I've been suckling at the no, no, tit of that, the that's, NA that's, for too that's, long. That's the next, uh, that's Michael Hansen's. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Michael Miller just says hi. <laughs> he just says Michael hi. Hansen. Yeah, you go. In Mawa, New Jersey, $200 says he's been sucking at the teat of no agenda for too long. Not literally, of course. Adam would never get <laughs> anything done. <laughs> Yay! Hey! Hey! Just a few bucks to help keep the professors in the classroom. You know, they say you're lucky in life if you encounter a teacher who makes a lasting and influential impression. You guys are up there. I'm not sure I've earned the dedouching yet. Uh, we'll save that for next time. Cheers, Mike Hansen. I think he's earned a dedouching. I don't understand why not. I give it to him whether he likes it. You've been dedouched. Can I? Uh... Can I slip one in here that I, I got a uh, on-the-spot cash donation in Amsterdam from uh, Sir Gene, uh, okay. who uh, $200. And so oh, then he's a, he becomes an associate. Associate, associate executive. He's working on his third knighthood, I might add, his third knighthood. So uh, thank you very much, Sir Gene. That was great. Uh, and uh, we blew it all at the market. You went to the market? Yeah, yeah of course. You had to buy food. Yeah, we had, we had no food. Exactly. We didn't actually. We couldn't even blow it all at the market. It's impossible. I mean, you can buy for a week, and you and you can spend. No, it's true. It's like a hundred dollars around here, for example, to go to like the Mexican store, or Chinese ninety nine ranch, and you, you you get all this stuff for very little money. You go to Safeway, and you you go broke. Yeah. Shane O in Shef- Shepherdsville, Kentucky, two hundred bucks. Uh, hello, Juan and Alexandro. <laughs> Greetings from Gitmo Nation Bourbon Bud, Louise, Louisville, Kentucky. Love the show. Glad you folks haven't been droned yet. I figured it was time for a drunk donation. I've been, okay. <clears throat> I've been drinking Jameson all night, and I have to send you guys some cash. I'm all out of blankets and water. I'd like to call out Evan and DeHart. And Daddy Justin as douchebags. Douchebag. Because I don't believe in karma. Sorry, give me a sh- new shit has come to light. Chemtrails two to the head. 
<laughs> New shit has come to... Uh... I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. You've got and karma. There you go. But she doesn't believe in the karma, but that's good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is our associate executive producer and executive producer for show... 478. We're heading oh, towards show it. 500. I want to remind everybody. I want to thank people for uh, giving us some help on this show. Uh, and please continue to do so at noagendanation.com, noagendashow.com, org slash NA, which is the main donation page, and channeldevorak.com slash NA if somehow it's down. Does it go down ever? My site gets blocked once in a while, especially in places like Korea. Oh. Yeah, indeed. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, especially a long, nice list of uh, associate executive producers. That's very nice to see. And, of course, uh, the Knights always showing up and helping us out. Thank you again. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And, of course, we do appreciate the propagation of our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. So I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed, uh, John. In you, in what? In you specifically. Okay. Um, uh, we had a show on Thursday, and uh, you know I, I don't understand why you didn't alert me to the fact that uh, the Miss USA contest was going to be on Saturday because you and I would have obviously called New York as the winner because of Sir Superstorm Sandy. I mean, this was a shoe in for us. Well, it could have been New Jersey. No. Well, we would have hedged. Well, but, it actually, it would have been. I know what would have happened. It would have been an argument between the two of us, one pick, pick in Jersey exactly. and one pick in New York, knowing that one of the two would win. Yeah. And you would have won because I would have chosen for Jersey, of course. Yeah, but now, but, but now, even worse, so, so that's on last night, and I say to, uh, uh, to Millicent, I say, I don't need to watch. John will have clips. And then I'm looking at your clip list, and did you even watch the show? No, I didn't know it was on. Oh I was my god! Football. Oh my god! Oh my god! This, this is. Are you okay? You must have the flu. No, there was the San Francisco Green Bay game on. I mean, I had no choice but to watch that. You, oh, but you always watch the. the I pageants. do. I'm a big beauty pageant nut. Ah, uh, this is really disappointing. Well, maybe I, I, I've taken the Tamiflu. It makes you hallucinate. <laughs> you should try mixing with some of that No Agenda moonshine. I was. <laughs> Try that. That might be a great combo. I got better clips. When I was I was getting some great clips about there was a big confab, and I think it was the Brookings Institute had on legalizing marijuana. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up getting a bunch of clips. I think I I could have even cl- overclipped it, but there's this guy whose name is Michael Greves. And he's uh, at George Mason University. He's a law professor. He's also in the American Enterprise Institute. He had some of the most interesting things to say, essentially, that the, the way everybody perceives the system is all completely wrong. There is no reason for uh, any state uh, to enforce or, or do anything with any federal law. In fact, two states have already or are right now in the process of opting out of the U.S. Code. And which states would those be? I haven't found out yet. One of these guys just mentioned it in passing, so I'm going to look into that. But here, let's just take a look on uh, 
Gra- uh, play grevs on states enforcing federal laws. And uh, this is a, a moment for people who like to show to actually learn something about your country. And no state has to enforce federal laws or prohibitions. By the way, uh, not everyone who listens to the show lives in this country. So No, I know, but we have 90% of the – okay, I'm sorry I said that. Yeah. But 90% of our listeners do live in the United States. The other ones are usually expats or people that want to learn more about the United States and the federal system. There you and, go. And I thought I kept this thing longer. This clip really went on for a while. Uh, it would have talked about the EU and how they tried to copy the federal system, right. although they're, they're screwing it up. And this guy talks about that, too. And the fact is that, uh, you know, we're we're somehow along the lines. We've got this in our heads that federal law trumps state law. In what in what universe is this? Although state courts, of course, are still uh, required to do so. Now, it turns out that, that that sounds trivial, but I think it plays itself out in hugely important contexts, much more important in their own way uh, than the marijuana uh, context. So here's an example. <laughs> Excuse me. One of these days, the Supreme Court will decide whether it wants to grant cert or not in the second go-around of a case called Bond versus United States. It arose over basically a marital dispute. Um, uh, she, wife smeared a chemical on a doorknob and the car door of her rival, and this resulted in a thumb burn. And this woman was then prosecuted by state officials in Pennsylvania under a federal law that implements the Chemical Weapons Convention. (laughs) It's called Bond versus United States. and the question in, in this case is whether the federal law is even constitutional. I don't think so, but the Third Circuit said yes. But even while saying yes, all of the judges on the Third Circuit said, what do you people there at the local level think when you enforce these kinds of federal laws? You don't have to. Um, the reason why this matters is, you know, the Heritage Foundation has had an overcriminalization work group federal overcriminalization work group for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And it's never gone anywhere, but it might go someplace if local officials could stop themselves from cooperating with the feds in enforcing these ludicrous federal laws. Many of them would turn into the press releases that they deserve to be. There's something really, Um, really sick about listening to a German tell me about my own country. Yeah, well, I know it's a problem because, you know, you'd think other, other people would be thinking along the same lines. I mean, this guy is a is a law professor, very well known, apparently. Everyone talk, always defers to him in this panel. And he's a, a libertarian, a self-proclaimed libertarian. And he's and his basic thesis is that these federal laws, if they want, if the feds want to put federal laws out there, the feds should police them themselves because there's no reason that any state should enforce any federal law under any circumstances. Well, I, think we've t- I think we've talked about this before, but this is the exact reason why, uh, no, you know, with, this, with the guns conversation, no one is actually going towards uh, uh, repealing the Second Amendment. Uh, the 14th Amendment is not being invoked for the debt ceiling. Uh, there's no talk about the 10th Amendment. And I think the reason why is that, you know, the, 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 the citizenry, of the United States has has basically been tricked 
been duped into believing that uh, uh, everything that Washington says is God and his law, and we don't really want to draw attention to the Constitution, so we just completely ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. I think that's the strategy. And, you know, this the, the trillion-dollar coin is now also not going to happen uh, because, you know, in, in, in no way do we want to draw any attention to, you know, what can and can't be done. It's just they're right. just making it up, and the, and the people really believe it's almost like that you can only vote for the one Republican or one Democrat um, candidate. The people really believe that at this point. You know, the, the, no, they've been brainwashed. Yes. And I think the why this is important, especially in the EU, is when the when when uh, Belgian the Belgian overlords tell the French that they can't use wood. To put the, the goat goat cheese on anymore? Get uh, <laughs> remove your wood from my goat cheese. They can't put the you can't have a wood plate. You have to use plastic. <laughs> the French don't. I mean, if it's done properly, and I think this is true, it these guys and in Britain is exactly the same problem. They don't have to. They can just say screw it. We're just not going to enforce it. You bring your own police. Do you have police? Do you? Well, you've agreed to do this. And well, well, hold on. That. Well, that's not entirely true because with every single step that they make there in the European Union, with every single new pact and compact, you know, remember we've had the Herman Van Rompuy literally saying there will be a pooling of sovereignty. So there they are. They actually are drawing up the documents that remove the sovereignty of the states. They're already called states and places that with uh, with uh, Starfleet Command in Brussels. So th they're actually drawing up the documents. What's well, that's that because these guys are agreeing to it. There's, there's, yeah. I think that the point that this guy makes is that the states don't have to, like he says, enforce federal law. It's no. not their job. they got their own laws to enforce. But here's what's interesting about this marijuana debate. Some Dutch guy, uh -oh. and by the way, he was later referred to as a guy from the U.N. by one of the other panelists. And uh -huh. I thought that was peculiar. Uh -huh. Some Dutch guy brought up this very unusual that I've never heard before and none of the panelists heard before. But Greves uh, does have a comment about it. Thank you. My name is H.P. Schijnemachers. I'm from one of those governments that you mentioned, uh, the Netherlands. Um, we have a... As in, we, uh, I think the context was even the Netherlands. <laughs> it was even uh, I was going to say that the, uh, the United States is rapidly becoming a more liberal country than the Netherlands uh, on issues as gay marriage, but also as uh, legalizing marijuana, because we only de decriminalize it and not legalize it, as was rightly mentioned. But I would like uh, the panel to address the international implications a little more when uh, the federal government would decide to leave these states, uh, leave the acts in these states in the books, because uh, it's a clear violation of international obligations by the United States. They ratified ah. several treaties um, uh, f uh, which don't allow for legalization in, in any way of marijuana. Very good. Um, if, we, if the United States... Uh, decides not to enforce these acts uh, and these international obligations, uh, what would the effects abroad be? Uh, I would could consider, you've always asked other countries to uh, obey by these international treaties. <laughs> if you stop doing that yourself, could that mean that eventually other countries that produce the drugs uh, decide not to uh, live up to their treaty obligations and would, what kind of effect would that have? So I'd like you to address that. Thank you. <laughs> That's uh, that is actually a very good question. That was a good question, I have to say. <laughs> From so the Dutch guy, they all kind of chimed in. But Greves, the mm -hmm. uh, the, the the law professor, the had the most interesting answer. Uh, which clip is that? Greves on treaty. 
Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, uh. Happens with these international. He's usually right in my experience. Yeah, unfortunately, in this case, he probably is. So what what happens? Well, as far I don't know the specifics of the the treaties at issue, right? But uh, this is in fact another one of these sort of federalism issues that you mentioned at the the beginning that will come to the forefront. Um, our international obligations, by and large, don't bind the states. This is true of our consular obligations even, uh, and it is true in this regard too. That is to say, if we, the United States, bind ourselves internationally to not to decriminalize marijuana, that will bind the federal government, but the state governments are the state governments, and the answer to foreign countries, unless there's something in the treaties that we committed to, the answer is sorry. I would like to know what, and this is, this is what bothers me about uh, this conversation, is, you know, no one's telling me what treaty, because this is exactly what happens on any media except the best podcast in the universe, and what I like to do is say, oh yeah, what is the treaty, give me the number, I'll go read it, I'll go see what's, what is in it, and and then I will see if it was ratified by the Senate or not. And we ratify very few U.N. treaties. So I'm not yeah, well, sure. It was that a this... treaty that was done in 1972, apparently. And I think the number is available. It may be mentioned specifically in the Bolivia a clip, which apparently was brought by one of the other panelists. Bolivia has said regarding this exact same treaty that they're, they're just going to renege on the cocaine thing and they're going to grow as much coca as they feel like and they don't they think the treaty is bogative. The 1972 treaty binds 184 countries and there is precedent now I think there might be of one, was it a Latin American country that denounced uh, the resolutions and then they re immediately reiterated with a reservation about coca. Bolivia, Bolivia and coca leave. Bolivia and coca leave. So there is a, some precedent if that goes through and there's no objection to that, <laughs> that the U.S. could, is it, is it not going to happen? The U.S. The US has could, objected, but it will go through. But what, what could happen is the U.S. could essentially do the same thing, could denounce that resolution and immediately re-ratify re with a reservation about marijuana. So there is some, if if... If this follows, I mean, it's not as though we are completely uncharted territory. So I think it's time to point out here for a moment that uh, none of this can be legalized because this is uh, the business of the government. The government is in the cocaine smuggling and sales business. Well, the government yeah, is well, in the marijuana this business. This is a different track, and I, yeah. that I would say is uh, is accurate. We should we, we should we should be going to these uh, these forums, John, and we should uh, have a session in the next room. You know, and you'd have like, you know, like all these hoity-toity guys, the German guy, the Dutch guy, and then we'd be next door, and the conference would be, hookers and blow make the world go round. Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. And we should just stand there and just tell people what's really going on. Yeah, it's banks. Yeah, because, yeah, and the banks are laundering the money because they're wasting their time in this conversation. Because it's all so, just, it's all just imaginary. Imaginary. Like, oh, yeah, we'll do what the UN says. Oh, yeah, we'll do what the, what Washington says. Just imaginary. So, so the only other little tidbit that I thought was really great in this conference was this rhetorical question, which was asked again by Greves of the of a guy who was a U.S. attorney in Colorado who was against the legalization in Colorado, and, he, and he's beside himself. He actually had a lot of great stories to tell uh, the Colorado guy about how when you know how they don't enforce, how the feds are afraid to come in the states and enforce stuff. Uh, but this question to me is the one that I think kind of touches on part of what you just said, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's just an interesting – another question I've never heard before. Is this aiding and abetting? Yeah. Can I just ask Troy two questions that 
maybe sound paranoid, um, but suppose they are local. Have we walked on the moon? Local <laughs> officials uh, that assist the dispensaries or whatever they're called in these states oh, sure. in sort of setting up these things and how to stay clear of sort of state law prohibitions. Is that aiding and abetting under the uh, <laughs> under federal law? Uh, and the other, I mean, along the same lines or similar lines, and this just shows I'm a paranoid libertarian, um, suppose these dispensaries uh, and, you know, legitimate enterprises uh, under state law um, put their money, uh, their business accounts with some bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, could the Treasury then come along and say, tell you what, you're in violation of 15 federal laws aiding mm -hmm. and abetting criminal enterprises, but if you buy the next countrywide, we'll make it go away. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is yes and yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Well, it was a, so he could come to our session. Obviously, just step, yeah, just step totally. next door, my friend. You'd be you'd be perfect for our session. You'd be better in our session yeah, anyway. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I Very thought so. I like it. I like it. I um. Let me see. I uh. Well, this was uh, this was uh, kind of funny. Um, just catching up with some uh, U.S. news here. Employees around the country are cashing in their first paycheck of the new year, and they're feeling the pinch. Every employee in America started paying the two percent higher payroll taxes of January the first. But <laughs> I love this. I love how no one covered this during the fiscal cliff, and you know there was just two percent. Uh, payroll tax uh, that was being retired, which you know, was an Obama uh, cut and an Obama retirement. And, uh, and everyone's like, what? <laughs> what? 2% is, is more, than you, more than you think. You know, 2% can really, uh, yeah, it's noticeable. Can really hurt. Um, President's show this morning, his little uh, YouTube show there, uh, I just chuckled at what, you know, it was basically all the same things. He, now he's just going into repetition mode. Like, you know, we're going to, you know, solve climate change. You know, we're going to protect children from the horror of gun violence, which I just love. This is new. Protect children from the horror of gun violence. And uh, but he kind of starts it off with uh, something funny. Hi, everybody. Hi. This week, I welcome President <laughs> Hamid Karzai to the White House to discuss the way ahead in Afghanistan. And today I want to update you on how we will end this war. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. Hey, 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 Heil, Obama, do you have a little update on how we're going to end this war? Who says that? Who, who, who is like, hello, nation, Heil, update here on, uh, <laughs> on how we're going to end the war. This is the, the, the total insanity. Total insanity from this, from this man. But where really, what really got my goat is uh, uh, Vice President O'Biden. And so, you know, he's uh, he is just so loving this, by the way. He's loving the attention. Finally, he's in the picture because he has to deliver the, uh, the recommendations to the president on uh, how we're going to uh, n make sure this never happens again. If we can only save one child with all the things we're going to do with gun violence, if just one, then that will be enough. And, uh, of course... When we look at uh, the Sandy Hook uh, occurrence, we really have zero visual evidence. Zero. Just absolutely zero visual evidence. But, of course, we have Vice President O'Biden 
to give that to us. And when I heard him do this, you know, I it just it makes my skin crawl. In all my years involved in these issues, um, there is nothing that has pricked the conscious consciousness of the American people. There is nothing that has gone to the heart of the matter more than the visual image people have of little six-year-old kids riddled, not shot in a straight bullet, riddled, riddled. So here's the vice president saying there's nothing that pricks the imagination of people more than the visual image of little six-year-olds riddled, not shot, riddled, riddled with bullets. We had, there is no, there is no visual image. No one has seen this. This is based purely on the the, the crazy reportage. The, cra- the the crazy reportage of the the medical examiner. But listen to it again. Just he is he is programming programming people's brains with this. Little kids riddled, riddled, not shot, not shot, riddled, 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 riddled. I mean, just riddled, riddled, shot to shreds. And this is really, really, really dangerous what's going on here. With bullet holes. Bullet holes. In their classroom. In their classroom. Riddle. Um, and the public demands we speak to it. I'm not sure that we can guarantee this will never happen again. Because the president said, even if what we do only saves one life. One life. Just No matter what you do, as long as it saves one life. This is. I think this is how we should be setting policy for everything in America. As long as it can save one life, we should implement the law. It makes sense. And I, I think, think we should ban skiing. Do a great deal without in any way um, imposing on or impinging on. Now, 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 wait for him. To listen to how he addresses the media, because this, of course, is a media event. Rights of the Second Amendment that the Second Amendment guarantees. That's what this was about. I thank you all for being here. And now, with your permission and the permission of the press, down to some business here, and I thank the press for with, Now, with the permission of the press, if I can please have permission from the press, and I thank the press for propagating my riddled formula. It's very, very frightening, but not quite as frightening as the 20 minutes of Anderson Vanderbilt Pooper who closed the Matrix. Officially, John, as of what I saw... Was it Saturday night? The Matrix is complete. The Matrix is closed. There is people who still watch mainstream media news or mainstream media in general, but certainly if they get their information and news from there, I'm sorry they they can no longer be helped. And they will just have to fall by the wayside. Um, you know, if they stumble upon the best podcast in the universe, or if they get interested somehow and start listening, and and you know, and they they get on board, then they're lucky. Uh, but I think most people who are now still in the matrix, there, uh, blue pill, I guess, that they're lost. And and he did twenty minutes, uh, and I, I was I had ignored this story because I I just wanted to like you know, okay, I hear what the guy's saying. There's a professor at a Florida State University, professor of media, media communication sciences. And he wrote a blog post uh, where he said, very similar to what, I, to what I said in the conversation you and I had, 
that there is no real evidence of any of this that went down the way the, the media has portrayed it. And he was actually, in a very scholarly fashion, hedging the way he said it. But, of course, if you take it out of context, it's like, he said it never happened. It was actors. He's insane. Yeah. So, but he was, you know, he wrote, he wrote, <laughs> wrote and, and this, this went around the, the, uh, the blogosphere a little bit. You know, people were sending me the link, etc., but now Anderson Pooper decides to do 20 minutes, 20 minutes with experts about this guy's blog post. And uh, I've distilled that 20 minutes down to f- one, two, three, five clips uh, of much shorter length of about a minute each. But you have to listen to what is happening as you hear the door of the Matrix closing shut behind us. This is proof. This is Anderson Pooper. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll let it play, but you will, you will, you'll be the one stopping the clips today, John. It's unbelievable when you hear this. Good evening, everyone. We begin tonight, keeping them honest, with a story that is frankly hard to believe. You're going to want to sit down for this one. Nearly one month to the day. I'm sorry. Are you sitting down, John? You're going to want to sit down. I, I, I don't I, think I, anybody's really standing up when they're watching this show, are <laughs> but they? He, but he's about to keep them honest, so you need to make sure that you're sitting yeah, keeping down. Keeping them honest. Keeping them honest. Day of the horrific shootings in Newtown, Connecticut, in which 26 people were killed, including 20 children. Tonight, we expose a number of people who are claiming that the Sandy Hook shootings were staged. Now, there are always conspiracy theorists lurking online who come up with some horrifically outrageous claims. Lurking? Normally, we would not dignify these kind of claims with our airtime. These claims are obviously sickening to many in Newtown who have spent the past four weeks crying and consoling, burying friends and family members, trying to figure out how to restart their lives. As I said, normally we wouldn't even mention these conspiracy theories. But it turns out one of the people who's peddling one version of this conspiracy theory is actually a tenured associate professor at Florida Atlantic University. I just want to stop this for a second. Now, do you think that because it's a professor, a tenured professor at a university in Florida, that that should really be the reason for Anderson Pooper to to throw out his morals of not propagating conspiracy theories and never ever ever talking about it. Do you think that there's a that this is a valid reason, John? Well, it is if you want to you know make sure that the academics shut up. Now, what you end up with, what you have in many of these situations, when somebody's slightly naive about how the internet works and the and the and the kind of the blowback you can get from doing certain things a certain way. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how nasty it can be. And we've tried to train most of them so they just shut up and do their thing and then we, they don't get bothered by anything. So this professor comes out of the blue thinking that he might actually, you know, do, might encourage some free thinking. Ah, so people might- you mean the kind of stuff that goes on at universities? Well, it actually doesn't go on in universities that much, but it does go on to some extent within certain realms. But he obviously stepped outside whatever boundaries there were, and he had to be slapped back hard, which is the reason for this being 20 minutes, by the way, because it seems to me that if Pooper is exactly doing exactly what he says he's doing, which is ignoring these crazy conspiracies, I agree. Why bring this guy up unless it was just a, it was like some, like the system trying to shove this guy back into his cage and get back to work, idiot. State University that gets taxpayer money. His name uh, is James. What is he? Wait, hold on a second. 
Now, this is the kind of thing that Rush Limbaugh and these guys you'd bring up. Oh, the use of taxpayers' money. The, now we got this coming from him? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Good oh. switcheroo. <laughs> oh, the Matrix door just closed a little bit more. James Tracy. This is a picture of him. This is what he looks like. And by the way, let's shame him. Here's a picture. Look at the picture. Look at the picture of the guy we're going to make look stupid. James Tracy is his name. Now, he... James Tracy. Remember the name. Claims the shooting did not happen as reported and may not have happened at all. Here's what he wrote on his personal blog, and I quote. Now, of course, he's quoting out of context, and, you know, because you know, the guy, I've read his, it really, they're, they're just pulling pieces of sentences out. The guy hedged it on all sides. One is left to inquire whether the Sandy Hook shooting ever took place, at least in the way law enforcement authorities and the nation's news media have described. Tracy makes the case, if you want to call it that, that news organizations oh. and the government... <laughs> You want, you want to, to call it that? Oh, it gets better. Wait, wait until you hear what the, what, come, what Pooper is going to say in a minute. May have worked together to dupe you, the public, in order to gain support for gun control laws. He even is suggesting that the government may have hired trained crisis actors to aid in this ruse. That's right, trained crisis actors. He's not convinced the parents whose children were killed are really who they say they are. In his blog, Tracy, again, a professor, suggests they may have been, and I quote, trained actors working under the direction of state and federal authorities and in coordination with cable and broadcast network talent to provide tailor-made crisis acting, end quote. Tracy even cites a company called Crisis Actors that provides actors to use in safety drills and the like. Apparently, that is supposed to bolster his case. Now, when a local reporter caught up with Tracy and asked him about this outrage, his theories might trigger, here's what he said. Listen. You had 20 families that were mourning that buried children. Are you concerned about that at all? Well, I think that the entire country mourned uh, about, uh, about Sandy Hook. And yet, uh, once again, the investigation that journalistic institutions should have actually carried out never took place, as far as I'm concerned. I think that... Um, we need to, as a society, look at things more carefully. Perhaps we, as a society, have um, been conditioned to be duped. So, now, of course, you know, the catching the guy in the hallway, he's got his book bag on his shoulder, I mean, just to make it even worse. But, of course, he's saying something that we talk about all the time, that, you know, society has been trained to be duped into, by the media into all types of things. You would yep. agree with that assessment, well, right? But this is part of our thesis on this show. Now, listen to how Pooper comes out of this. Now, I don't even really know what that means, what he is saying, what the words coming out of his mouth means. <laughs> really? <laughs> Anderson Cooper doesn't know what the words coming out of his mouth mean? I mean, seriously? Well, if you're going to play that game, yeah, that's what you'd say. Suggest the reporters on the ground didn't work to find out what happened there on the ground is beyond crazy. It's beyond crazy. We do. <laughs> to suggest that reporters were not doing their job is beyond crazy, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody asks questions, but that's what we do. Journalism isn't a perfect science, of course. But to suggest that somehow means the shootings didn't happen, that 20 children weren't killed, that families didn't suffer and aren't still suffering is beyond comprehension and obviously deeply offensive to many. Yeah. So he's going to bring in some experts, but he ha he has to, it's, it, you know, the, what, the only thing I could think of is, uh, you uh, pro, do doth protesteth too much, methinketh. 
You know, this is like, wow. I mean, do we really have to go to these extremes? To- yeah, no, I think that's kind of the giveaway. There's no reason for it. If you no think the reason. guy's just a crackpot. Just say he's a crackpot. Say he's a crackpot and ignore him. I mean, no. that's what you you normally no. do. No, no, no. We, ha- we have. Why is this guy more dangerous? And, you know, to be honest about it, if I was on the other side of this and I was on the, the, the Anderson keeping him on his side, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'd do. I would not play this up unless I was trying to draw attention to it. Maybe actually uh, maybe uh, Cooper's like sick of this and he's actually drawing attention to it for a reason and then, then making it look as well. I don't think that's true. No, but, he, but no. it's possible. You know? no, so, so they try to terrorize this guy. They go stay at, you know, they yeah, post outside his house. Guy. This is bullying, by the way. Oh, this is huge bullying. Quote, Anderson. So I know you also asked the president, uh, uh, by the way, what is he a professor of? Is it like media studies or something? Yes, yes, in communications. in the Department of Communications. That is correct. Okay. Well, he would uh, know about this bull crap. Well, so instead of he would know about this bull crap, Anderson throws it the other way and says. Interesting, the guy who's in the Department of Communications does not want to communicate to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love it how he does that. The media, uh, or, or, or address this in, in the media at all. But you asked the president of this, uni- of this college, of this university, FAU, about it. What did she tell oh, you? Are they standing by him? So, so of course, you got to, you know, what would the president of the university say, John? I mean, this would. But he likes to say, he said college first to demean it. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah good one. I didn't even caught that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We talked to uh, President Mary Jane Saunders. And Mary Jane, code name for marijuana. And uh, they are clearly distancing themselves from Professor Tracy. We want to make it very clear that he was speaking as an individual. He was not speaking in his role as a professor at FAU. And the university has uh, a very different uh, statement about uh, the shootings, uh, the terrible tragedy that took place in Newtown. What do they get to do? Why should they have a statement at all? Okay. The university does not support this position, and I personally am, am heartbroken uh, about uh, the heartbroken. additional uh, stress to these families uh, at this time. Heartbroken. Heartbroken. Now, there's no word on what the university could or would do, Anderson. He is a a tenured professor, as you mentioned. And, in fact, uh, the blog that he writes on is not in any way affiliated with the university. People are are free to express themselves as they want. But I think, you know, if he's a a legitimate professor, he should be willing to to defend his statements. And, again, I just want to... To reread what he said on his Doesn't personal have to blog. Do crap that you won, Anderson. Yeah. So I, I, I'll cut this off. So then he um, now now we've got to bring in some experts, and this is so one of the experts I know because I interviewed one of the experts. But first he brings in some some douche from Salon Magazine. So you know you should. If How is that an expert? It's a writer because he's been according to Anderson, he's been following this from day one. So he's, he's just a shill douche, some guy with double, I forget his name, with a double name. Talk, joining me now is Salon.com political reporter Alex Seitz-Walt, who did the early reporting. Alex Seitz-Walt, who did the early reporting, who got the early script. On this story, uh, which is where we uh, initially heard this stuff. Also, Jonathan Kay of the National Post, an author of Among the Truthers. So remember I interviewed that guy? Among the, Among John- the Truthers. Yeah, and he so he actually works for uh, an anti-Muslim think tank in Washington, D.C., and he, all conspiracy theories, according to him, is about the Jews. <laughs> that's, that's all. Every, everything he says, oh, they just want to hate the Jews. Journey through America's growing conspiracist underground. So, Alex, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around these theories. It's not like they're coming just from one person or group. I mean, there are websites, YouTube videos, blog posts, all devoted to these absurd theories. Absurd! 
Yeah, I mean, there's really a surprising universe out there. Uh, if you Google Emily Parker's name, the girl you mentioned who the conspiracy theorists think is actually alive, uh, the very first result that comes up, at least when I Googled it, was a conspiracy website. Now, this is very important because I think that this is a new meme. And this will be used to start for Google to start filtering things out because, of course, it's an outrage when you Google for a dead girl's name that a conspiracy website comes up. You watch. This is going to happen that Google will be filtering out things. Uh, entire network addresses will be filtered out because they don't represent the new normal and the truth of keeping them honest. Uh, one of the most polished, professional-looking videos was produced by a 9-11 truther company. Or they produced a, a video after 9-11 that got a lot of attention. This one kind of ties it all together, and I just checked a few minutes ago. It has almost 200,000 views on YouTube. Uh, uh, Alex Jones, you know, who uh, went off against Piers Morgan the other night, his uh, website has a whole community forum section where there are just dozens and dozens community. and dozens of posting dozens about these things. Dozens. And if you just wow. Google Sandy Hook hoax, you can find all kinds of things out there. So, I mean, this is a real uh, strain within the, the movement out there, you know, these paranoid people who Ooh. think the government is coming to snatch their guns. And, and, and I mean, what's, you know, this is not, I mean, we, we, we off, you know, camera, we talk. What was that? He's stuttering. Oh, yeah. To a number of families today who didn't even want to come on camera because they are too upset about this to even address this. The fact that Emily this Park... Is peculiar. Yeah, they didn't want to come on even to... Because they didn't want... Because, I don't know, because they're actors. First family, you know, if they Google her name or anyone who knew Emily Parker Googles her name and the first thing that would come up would be this, this sickening conspiracy theory sickening. based on the fact that her sister... Wore the same dress that that her that Emily Parker had once worn in a photograph to meet with President Obama. I mean, th that's that is just adding insult to. to no, no, no. What's sick is is putting the so-called sister in the dead sister's dress. That's what's sick. But th maybe it's just me. Injury, J Jonathan. Wh why do we see conspiracy theories pop up? I mean, in the wake of tragedies like this, is that people? I mean, can't wrap their mind around something, why this would happen? Or is it just simply linked to the whole idea that these are people who believe the government's trying to take their guns and this is just a, a, a way that they're trying to take guns? Here it comes. Conspiracy theories are explanations for evil. And generally speaking, people hate the idea of random evil. Uh, they like the idea that evil is focused in some... What? When did this guy go from being on mic and now he's in a bucket? What happened? No, this is to, so the other guy is the salon guy. This is the con, the, oh, okay. the guy who wrote the truth. So he's in a bucket he, talking through his microphone on his Mac laptop. Yeah, he's on Skype exactly. And instead of you know doing it professionally, he's you know all back away. And but the whole point is he's just going to say it's about the Jews. All of people, uh, whether it's who knows, you know, whether it's Jews or Muslims. Or oh, what? there we go. It's Jews or Muslims. So. Uh, so now Pooper has to take it a little bit further, and he's going to ask this expert uh, about uh, you know the different kinds of conspiracy theorists, John. And uh, I think he, <laughs> I think he nails it. Uh, in fact, it says exactly what you just said. You divide conspiracy theorists into kind of two camps: cranks and firebrands. What's the difference? Cranks and firebrands, whatever that is. Well, the firebrands tend to be the young folk. I mean, the ones that you see. Well, sometimes nine eleven on the anniversary, you'll see. 
these people marching, the so-called 9-11 truth movement. They tend to be uh, young people. Uh, you often see them on university campuses. Oh, you mean like students, people who are uh, whose minds are expanding and don't necessarily uh, watch the uh, propaganda that you are uh, putting into their heads. Uh, cranks tend to be older types. Ooh, hold on. Hey. Hello. <laughs> That'd be me. No, I think it's actually me. Uh, people yeah, I think so, too. 40s and 50s. Often they're college professors. College professors. They're all oh, crazy. Really? They're crazy cranks. Uh, often they're computer scientists. Often it's people with a very technical frame of mind who are drawn to these very intricate conspiracy theories. And they have butt cracks. I know them. They're sysadmins. They're almost always men for reasons that I explain in my book. Uh, and often these are very mild-mannered individuals. Uh, for instance, one of the leaders of the 9-11 conspiracy movement was a teacher, a professor in California named David Ray Griffin, a very mild-mannered professorial guy who's actually a, a theologian. Uh, and these people are drawn to the movement. Usually they're very intelligent, and they love the idea that they're unraveling some huge puzzle, uh, which, and they'll get to the, the source of all the world's evil. Well, there you go. So it's obviously uh, we're crazy, you know, and uh, mild-mannered, intelligent people who are often uh, at the intelligence level of can, college professor are I, conspiracy theorists. Can I ask a question here? Uh, since you saw this uh, thing, I didn't see it. Yeah. I would assume that because he's discussing this, the professor and all the rest of it, that he showed that clip of Emily's dad. No, yucking it up and then getting into getting into acting mode no, and then that would, crying no. on the camera. Did no, he that show would, that? no, that would be we, crazy. Seen it. No, that would Did be he crazy. He must have shown it then no, because no. Every, everybody who's familiar with honest. this argument has honest. seen that clip. Mm -hmm. So he showed it, right? No, he did not. Oh, keeping him honest. Well, anyway, so to wind this up, uh, Anderson is now going to deconstruct how absurd it is to think that there could ever be a, ever ever could be a conspiracy between government and the media. <laughs> Which is like, has he ever read it? Has, has he, he ever heard of the Reichstag? Has he ever picked up a history book in his life? <laughs> has he ever heard the Maine? It's, in, it's, it's, it's unconscionable. The Gulf of Tompkin? He's never heard of any of these things? No, it's, it does not exist. MK Ultra, uh, none of this. It's, it's completely, you know, Operation Gladio. None of this stuff. It, it never has happened in the world in the entire universe of history, and he's going to help us understand that this is crazy to even think that. The thing, I mean, Alex, that uh, is so I find idiotic about a lot of these conspiracy theories is, you know, nothing remains secret for very long. So it's not as if, the, I mean, the government can't keep, you know, things that are actually classified information secret. Well, yeah, they can. Like, for instance, um, you know, why it's legal to kill people with drones. That's being kept secret. Uh, and the kill list itself—that's being kept secret. So the government, yeah, there is a there is a uh, a legal document somewhere that is being kept secret yeah. that gives the president authorization to yes. kill Americans. Yes, to kill them. Very but we haven't seen that. No, they, they won't release it. That's secret, and I think they're doing a good job of keeping that pretty secret. I think that's doing a good job. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think what he means is that sometime around 50, 60, 75 years from now, it will be revealed. Yes, exactly. ...about a lot of these conspiracy theories is, you know, nothing remains secret for very long. So it's not as if, the, I mean, the government... Anderson Cooper, you kept your homosexuality secret for five years before you finally copped to it. What are you talking about? Can't keep, you know, things that are actually classified information secret from very long. There's so many people who leak stuff. So the idea that somehow, like, the news media is in cahoots with the government and that there were secret meetings to hire crisis actors to get them there, I mean, it's just... So, 
I like this because there's secret meetings all the time. <clears throat> there's always meetings going on at the White House. Rachel Maddow, uh, Al, uh, Reverend Sharpton, everyone's showing up. There's, everyone's at the Christmas parties. There's meetings all the time with the media that we're not told about. But, of course, Anderson uh, actually makes a mistake here where he, and this is, the, the, this is my big finale, he makes a mistake where he actually reveals that he knows what really happened. So ludicrous. Did, did you notice a common, I mean, was there a common strain when you, when you, were, you know, were looking into these conspiracy theories regarding Sandy Hook? Yeah, there, there absolutely is, at least the vast majority of them. And there's different variations, you know, whether it was directly an Obama administration plot or uh, agents, you know, loosely tied with the liberal movement or, or even George Soros. The common thread among all of these is that the uh, tragedy was a false flag operation in order to make the country willing to give up their guns. So, uh, in other words, this tragedy would happen and then we would have a discussion about gun control as we are now. This is exactly what happened, by the way. This is exactly what happened. And then it would lay the groundwork for the government to come in and take guns, possibly for some kind of future, you know, tyrannical regime. And, and I mean, Jonathan, did, I guess the Internet has kind of allowed all this stuff oh. to kind of ignite in a, in a way that has never has before. I mean, there have always been conspiracy theories. It goes back for, for very long. This has just allowed more isolated people to find each other, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the chapters in my book, I talk about how the Internet has turbocharged the conspiracy theory movement because the big challenge for conspiracy theorists used to be getting the word out because respectable journalists wouldn't touch their stories. But now uh, conspiracy theorists, usually they don't even bother trying to go to the mainstream media. They just publish it on their website and they can create their own little echo chambers of paranoid individuals who all share the same distrust. <laughs> and by the way, just to correct something, uh, it is true that the majority of the Sandy Hook conspiracy theories revolve around the idea of gun control, uh, but there is a large contingent that believe that this was somehow an Israeli false flag operation. Ah, Jews. Uh, Chris what? TV, which is an Iranian... <laughs> is Jews. <laughs> it's, it's always about the Jews. Why would the Israeli... Why, why, how did the Israelis get involved in this? <laughs> it, it, notice what he's saying. Instead of why, what he said, how did... He changed that. Did you know that this is not the thing I want to point out, but this Back is some, something I just noticed. Anderson went from instead of because the, the correct question would be, why would the, the, someone bring in the Jews? Instead, he says, how did they get involved? Oh, shit. Hold on. Let me back it up a little more. There's a large contingent that believe that this was somehow an Israeli false flag operation. Uh, Press TV, which is an why Iranian would, controlled outlet. Why would the Israeli, why, why, how did the Israelis get involved in this? See, that's how we swear. It was interesting, wasn't it? He was like, yeah, hey, wait, wait, why wait, how? Wait, wait. Okay. Well, the idea is that it was a Mossad operation, and it's the same people who believe that Anders Breivik was actually secretly somehow a Mossad agent. <laughs> uh, these are people who have identified yeah, talk yeah. about cranks yeah. evil in the universe they've picked who their evildoers they think it's the Jews they think it's Israel <laughs> Jews. and so they find some way to trace any evil act whether it's 9-11 whether it's the 2008 financial crisis hey, they crap. find some way to believe that all the evil was caused by this one group of actors who they hate and now I don't know where my freaking uh, payoff went this is dumb your payoff is not there no. <laughs> I don't know maybe we talked over and at a certain point Pooper says how crazy is it to think that uh, actors were used as government officials at Sandy Hook? And I thought that was kind of telling because no one has actually said that specifically. They talked about the parents. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, must have talked into over. That. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, we, we can't. We're not looking into any of this. We're not even supposed to be covering this. I, unfortunately, I have a couple clips. Mm. Can I? Can I just wrap this up? Yeah, wrap it up, and I'll go on to mine. All right. So I'll just wrap it up by. Uh, 
saying that uh, on um, uh, January 17th, uh, there will be another drill. <laughs> Never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it in the show notes. Why do we have all these drills? This is going to be a co-op in downtown Chicago. Here's the situation. Uh, this is from a, an, uh, a document that was sent to me, and uh, the exact wordage from our producer was, I don't see anywhere on the document that says uh, that it's classified in a manner that I can't send it to you. Um, uh, here it is. Uh, reference Chicago District Community of Operation, con- Continuity of Operations Plan. A situation. Downtown Chicago has been hit with cyber terrorism, resulting in limited communications. The Federal Executive Board will be conducting a co-op exercise on the 16th of January, 2013, with FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, supporting as the control cell for the FEB. Each participating federal agency reacts by moving their command and control to their continuity of operations site to ensure continuation of essential operations. So all I'm saying is... Let's be on the lookout for the 16th, uh, Wednesday, Chicago cyber operation. Now, Chicago, of course, is where the uh, the uh, commodities exchange is housed. So there could be a number of things. But you know, whenever they whenever they do a drill, you ought to get always got to be looking out. So um, I would say we should uh, be on the lookout for that. So I, I, just as a few follow ups, I thought the most ludicrous. Yeah, we are on the lookout. I put in the green red book. Uh, Wait, you have a green book too? I uh, no, I don't have a green book. I don't know why I said green book. And maybe it was a Cut, hey, plot. maybe keep, have a secret keep, green. Keeping them honest, sounds like you got so a green here's book. Here's a uh, here's a uh, the, the dumbest clip, and then I'll get to some funnier clips, including uh, and then some insightful clips. But it's all kind of a follow up to what you just did. But let's start off with the MA foes not want to clip, which I thought was just like what, what really. In the wake of the Sandy Hook Elementary shootings, Massachusetts has removed violent arcade games from its highway service plazas. It has taken the action of a concern that residents from neighboring Connecticut may be offended by those games. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Don't offend me! Uh, Tipping wow. point! You guys are heartless by keeping those stupid arcade games there. It's unbelievable. To tipping so point. So luckily on C-SPAN, there was a long discussion I saw this. I think it was, of this woman who talked about violent video games. And, and she had a lot. There's this kind of a fast-talking woman who wrote a book on the topic, and yep. she apparently is an expert on the subject. So I have two clips. First, I have the violent video games part one clip, which discusses kind of the overview of, of you know, the studies that have been done on violent video games. And here's the reason I first clipped these, because I'll ask you this question. What is being attacked right now, given two possibilities? You have violent video games. Yes, which is which is the industry that Hollywood hates the most because they eat up most of their money. And you have Hollywood, yeah. which has more violence than anyone. Yes. And it's realistic because it's like done realistically. Yes. It's not a game. It's good work. So which of the two are they attacking? Well, Hollywood, of course, is going, is, as far as I'm concerned, continually attacking violent video games. Yes. And they also supported the Obama administration in a big way. Yes. And so no one's saying anything about them. No. In fact, but they're going after these violent <laughs> video games. So let's play a couple of things and we can all learn about violent video games and their effect on the human side. Wait a minute. First, I've got to do this. What we do, you don't have to. Yeah. This is what we do. 
part one. A million dollar plus research on this while you're at Harvard, and you yeah. have basically inconclusive evidence as to the exact relationship between violence and video games. So where did the vice president get his information from to say that you can't necessarily put, you know, point A leads to point B? Well, it's, it's basically that there isn't, there's no proven, like, for example, my study found that uh, when you look at kids playing M-rated games, the more M-rated games they play, the more likely they were to to say that they'd bullied others or gotten into fights, but when we've also factored in things like parent supervision, stressful life events, and especially aggressive personality, that kind of, that relationship kind of went away. So, and, and the other research that he's looking at, I think, has also been equivocal. The stuff that has tended to support a link that was used in past cases, including California's uh, law that was struck down by the Supreme Court, looked at mostly college students taking Psych 101, doing little lab experiments that measured pretty much competitiveness and then some people would make a leap between that and real world violence and i personally don't agree with that so okay Shut up already science now now so the key one is and this actually relates back to anderson uh, cooper on the thing you just played about you know the the media being uh, somehow involved in all this i think this part two of this violent video games clip says it all. Then I want to pick up on that. Let's use a common sense approach here. Do you believe that if we didn't have as many violent video games, there might not be as many of these violent acts in the public domain? Well, that's a tough question because from what I understand, across the years, school shootings have not gone up. I mean, some of them have been bigger, but it's stayed pretty consistent. And we know that since the mid-1990s, as access to violent games has gone way up, if you have a kid, you know that, Mm -hmm. uh, youth violence has gone down. So, and these are such rare events. What's what's really gone up is the coverage of the events. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Absolutely. It's the coverage of the events, which is pretty poor. (laughs) Now, so in the follow-up to that, I have actually two what I think are kind of interesting clips because they're trying to keep Pierce Morgan in the game. And so Pierce Morgan showed up on the BBC Newsnight. Oh, gloating. Well, he's trying. They're getting giving it to him. And, and a good example is this the guns part one clip. I, I don't play much of it, but I think it's, you can see where this is going to head by this uh, question. You know, it, it, what happens here affects me and my life and that of my family. And the guns issue here is now, I think, so dangerous and so out of control that something has to give. And if I can help frame the debate in a way that's constructive to getting new gun control legislation, then great. But framing the debate in a way that was constructive, you were telling gun proponents they were stupid. Oh, yeah. So it's it's very obvious what's going to happen. Someone's going to take a shot at him. That's going to have to happen if he wants to maintain ratings. Yeah, it has to happen. So the guy goes after him pretty consistently, and Pierce is going on and on. And I think what what the real conclusion was, what this guy suggests in clip two, and then Pierce kind of avoids the... uh, answering the question per se, but I think this pretty much summarizes what where, where this is headed. Which you can put a hundred bullets in, which can fire in less than a minute. Yeah, They're but, just killing machines. Sure, but, and, but people uh, will but understand the arguments. Yeah. But, but the, everybody will understand mm. the arguments, particularly over, over here. They understand exactly what you're saying, mm. but you're now a political activist. You're mm. not a journalist, are you? 
I, I don't mind what you call me. I, I'm very comfortable with what I'm doing, and I'm going to continue doing it. If it makes me popular or unpopular, isn't really the point. It's what I believe in. <laughs> yeah. Could you just put that in the book, John, that, uh, that, that someone's going to take a pop at him? Yeah, okay. Do you think it'll hit home? Do you think uh, he or any of his family will, uh, will be injured? I don't think I so. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. I think it's just going to, you know. it's That's but, painful. If you're going to pull that stunt, yeah. I don't want to get hit. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know he's got a great contract, but wow, to go through that, to, to, take, a, to take a slug for the contract. No, no is he's not going to take deal. one for the team. No. So I, I, I do want to put um, one more thing into the book here, and then uh, we need to thank some people. Um, I've been really closely observing the uh, National Rifle Association, the NRA, in this debate. Um and I am going to tell you right now, these guys are on the same team. The NRA is not your gun friend. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, they got like $150 million a year. I mean, really, this is the big, scary organization. That's peanuts these days if you want to get something done. You can't get anything done with that kind of money. And the, the chairman, you know, he makes uh, about a, a little under a million dollars a year. You know how I look at all these nonprofit Form 990s and stuff. Yeah. So, so that's an exorbitant salary for a nonprofit. And that's because, you know, he's an actor. He's a very well-paid actor. And I think these guys are actually working in concert in concert, I tell you, to help take away uh, the guns. And, uh, in fact, not only are they doing that, but they're, uh, they're actually working to now create this, um, uh, you know, this crazy list. So we're going to have uh, a, uh, a, a, a nationwide, I think 30 states already have it, but it's going to be, a na- if you've ever been prescribed any type of antidepressant, which is a large segment of the slaves, then you will not be allowed to have a gun, um, you'll not. No one in your house will be able to have a gun. And of course, we're also going to misuse that list later on for a whole bunch of other things. You know, you'll you'll you won't be able to opt out at the airport. You know, you'll have a secondary screening everywhere. You know, maybe you might not be allowed to drive. You know, this is this is really where this is headed. And I think the NRA is complicit. And, and it just kind of hit me. I don't have any full-on force right now, other than I do know that they have actually um, created. Uh, ex- more expenses for gun uh, dealers and uh, and the gun industry. They've made it more expensive, and they actually take a piece of that as well on the back end. Um, I, I I do not think there are they are your friend, and what this will all lead to um, eventually is uh, n- you know not this like oh I don't know what what, what you know, the Alex Jones types are talking about, but President Obama promised very, very clearly in 2008 what his plan was when it comes to security in the homeland, and it is not going to be everyone having their own weapon. It's going to be this. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. There you go. Remember this, because that's what he yeah, promised. people forget that clip. Yeah, that's what he promised. A, a national security force just as strong as our military. Just as strong as our military. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, you know what, I'm putting that clip in the evergreens. Because I have a feeling we're going to have to revisit that in the next couple of years. What do yeah, you think? No, I think it's, uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Maybe Homeland Security will prevent this from happening since they've become this. Yeah. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, oh, 
Got my brown shirt on. So we want to thank a few people who helped us uh, produce the show 478, including Sir Alexander Slesnyov, uh from uh, Espo, which is, I think, Lithuania. Is that right? Espo. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Espo. I'm glad that things worked out for Mickey and you, uh, and you, and you could return home. Please accept this contribution as a welcome home gift. Thank you. Would like to receive a shot of karma to start the new year of 2013. Keep up the good work. $133.33. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex. You've got karma. Uh, Dame Francine Hardaway in Half Moon Bay, California, right down the road here. Hundred bucks. Been so pissed by the whole Ms. Mickey thing and by poor Adam's obvious frustration. I'm glad he shares it uh, for all of our edification, edification. Welcome back, Adam. Thank you. Nation, indeed. Of course, we torture. You know what's funny is that uh, you know you had these. You know how someone uh, from time to time will ask for a little girl yay in the donation segment. Yeah. You know what happened the other day. What? We started when we were happy about something. If we had crossed another milestone, like we made it through, uh, um, you know, through the entry Transport into the U- control. Yeah, then we'd say to each other, "Little girl, yay!" <laughs> Little girl, yay! <laughs> it's, it's, it's become like a whole thing. Little girl, yay! Why don't you play that? This is exactly what I was planning on doing. Little girl, yay! Wow! See Mike in Kansas City, Missouri. 8888. Uh, dear uh, John and Adam, Adam's analysis of the scripted appearance of Alex Jones on the Pierce Morgan Big M Little Organ show. <laughs> Big M Little Organ? That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> was so good that I, and I agree with that, by the way, it was so good that I need to re up on showing my love for the best podcast in the universe. I wish you there were more people like you, uh, C Mike. Yeah. Uh, please deliver douchebag call outs to Jones and Morgan. Douchebag. Also, please grace me with some house selling karma as well as some anytime you're ready new human resource karma for my fifth human resource who still hasn't arrived. Probably yep. a girl. Yep. L- lastly, probably a girl. Get it? Wait a minute. <laughs> Did he say that? Or are you yeah, saying that? Oh, okay. Says. I don't he want. Says it. Because you know all the all the women will get in get on your shit if they if they hear you say that. Yeah. Right. Well, if they if they. I had one there. I had a joke. Yeah, yeah if they can make it on time, they they can get yeah. on my show. But uh, but this the timing, timing. That's timing. what makes it's all it about funny. timing. Yeah. Lastly, because I believe in value for value model, please give me an Atlas shrug jingle. And if JC spoils it by breaking wind with this, I don't do that. It's on the clip. <laughs> Does he want to karma with that, or is it just? Uh... Well, here I tell you what, Adam. You play the Atlas shrug thing and cut off that little thing at the end. Okay. By Ayn Rand. You've got <laughs> karma. It's funny. Something else happened there. I don't know what happened. Capital Idea Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio, 8334. You guys suck. <laughs> Take this donation and shove it up your ass. 8334. Do you, do you see what it says? One of 12. Yeah, one of 12. Because he's going to become a knight. Yeah, he's going to become a knight. This is great. So this is the kind of... Uh, Hate mail that we get. We need more well, of this. Okay, as long as you know, as long as he, if he wants to pay <laughs> to tell us that we suck, I'm I'm in. I'm in. John too. Richest in New Orleans, Louisiana. He needs a in the morning. In which the we morning. There you go. Uh, Charles Hickman in Grove City, Ohio. 
Uh, hey, Jeb and Andrew, I wanted to take this opportunity to welcome Andrew and Mindy back to the United States. I recently got engaged and need a special <laughs> you will obey karma for my smoking hot fiance. And before you ask, I have already sent pictures. And did you because I forwarded them to you. Did you see them? No. Oh, dude, go to your email right now. I can't believe this. I can't believe you didn't. See, I forwarded this to you. This is but you always you forward stuff now and again. But I don't. I haven't been looking at my email that close. Hold on. Let me get to you. My have email. to see these pictures. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. It's from Adam. <laughs> what's the name of the? What's, I can't yeah. believe that you didn't see this. It doesn't matter. It's like I only forwarded you. Like do the last one or two emails that I forwarded you. Like maybe the last one. Okay. <clears throat> you have the to last see this. Was the no agenda. No agenda. Deep. Detro uh, donation segment, keep it a good word. You got a whole bunch of stuff here. I see nothing forwarded. Forward donation <coughs> segment, not pic- note pictures included. All right. Really? Found you found it? Yeah. Now, okay. view number one. Yikes. <laughs> keep going. The one with the handcuffs is great, but I like the one with the red rubber ball the most. <laughs> you will obey. You will obey. You will obey. Thought. Karma. <laughs> yeah, these are very good. I, I encourage this because <laughs> the handcuffs are on her ankles. That's what's so funny about that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Charles. Yeah. Funny. I never got the note from him. I don't think. That's why I forwarded it to you. All right. Here we go. Where were we? Um, oh, crap. I crap. lost my train of thought. We're at... Uh, we're at... Uh, 69! In the brain, oh, oh. 69, dudes! Carrie, uh, Sir Carrie Chim in Hamilton, Ohio, no note, it says. Joseph Frost, Sir Joseph Frost, uh, to you, Wooddale, Illinois, 6969. Need all the 69s I can get. Can I get a shut up at science, two to the head karma? Mm-hmm. Shut up already. It's science. You've got karma. Yes, you can. Jonathan Rowley in Edmonton, Alberta. Home of the Edmonton Oilers, sixty nine sixty nine flat cannons for humanity. Can I get a hey citizen karma? Yeah, absolutely. Hey citizen, you've got karma. We have a lot of sixty nine sixty nine today, but it's still short of the twenty two record. I'm surprised that this many came in. Oh, Jason too. Rutherford in Australia, sixty nine sixty nine. It's been a while since I've listened to the best podcast in the universe. Oh. As I have been in the dump since my wife, the love of my life, and I separated. So for the past <laughs> Wait month... Wait a minute. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. That's a good question. He's been in a recovery mode in southeast Queensland and now looks to go back home on, on the horse to win back her hand as I return. Mm. This happens to be my first donation, though. I did buy the first challenge coins. Not the same. My donation is in response for two reasons. Value for value is I've clearly been a boner. So please dedouche me. Secondly, I have some selfishness reason, selfish reason, ugh, selfish reasons too. <laughs> He's got selfishness. Selfishness. <laughs> screwed me up. As I need the uh, universe to align in my favor, so could I uh, please have a karma with a MILF? 33 is the magic number because uh, his birthday is going to be 33 on Tuesday the 15th. Also, a shout out to my wife's blog, LipstickConfessions.net. I'm okay. looking. At, I'm looking at oh dot net. Yeah, oh, I was looking at dot com and I was like, whoa. Okay, hold on. Lipstickconfessions.net. What is this? Hmm. Dear diary, my husband's such a douchebag. 
Is that what it says? No. <laughs> no, of course not. It doesn't say that at all. In you fact, it me. says confession number nine. Anatomy doesn't decide my interests. It's been a few weeks since something in the everyday ridiculous compelled me to write another confession. But a lunchtime trip to the news agency in the business park where I work threw me a clanger. Read more. No. Okay. All right. Yeah, anyway, all right. give him his uh, de-douching plus his other stuff. What does he want? He wants a de-douching. He wants a MILF, a milf and, and a 33. And a magic number. Okay. Where is the magic number? Uh, so we got... Uh, Deducing. You've been deduced. Milf, that's one mother I'd like to. F- Thirty-three. That's the magic number. No, it is. It's the magic number. Uh, Sir Jason Stevenson lost wages, Nevada. Nope, not drunk. Not drunk, blitzed. Does he mean not drunk blitz, or does he mean not drunk blitz? I think he's hammered. Yo, Aldama and Jebediah, living the dream of unemployment. My girl left me and even took the cat. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm crashing with a friend in the U.K., and it's so gray and depressing. Can I get a whoop-em with the Constitution and fiscal cliff? Welcome back. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, we haven't done that one in a while, so I guess we can do that. Here we go. Now, get out there and whoop Obama's behind. Whooping, 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 whooping with the Constitution. Whooping, 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 whooping with the Constitution. Whooping, 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 whooping with the Constitution. Whooping, whooping, whooping all of them behind the Constitution. Road Wolf in Buffalo, New York, sixty nine, sixty nine. Hey guys, happy to hear that Adam's back. I just looking for a simple deducing for not being able to donate for a while, and a model railway building karma and trains, planes, trains, good planes, bad. I'm sitting here working on my model railroad and need some advice from any no agenda listeners out there who are into this hobby. They can find updates and info about my project on my blog at Road Wolf. Dot C-A. You've been de-douched. All aboard, trains good, planes bad. Woo-hoo. You've got hmm. karma. It's roadwolf.ca. Andrew Fight, Stockton, California, 6969. In the morning, Jack and Alain. Uh, it's been far too long since I've donated, so I thought I'd come in with a drunk donation, even though he doesn't sound drunk in the least. And I'd like to request a de-douching and shot at karma since I'm turning 30 on Sunday. Thanks for all you do. So we should... Sorry? Add him to the uh, the uh, birthday list. Oh, okay. I'll do that right now. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. What's his name here? Andrew... Fight. Fight. No, is that right? Yeah. I no? think so. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like Andrew Fight... And he's 30 uh, today. Yeah, okay. 30. All right, he's on, on the list. Matt Dallison, Lost Wages, Nevada, sixty nine, sixty nine. Hey, guys, I'm a long-time listener almost a year now and finally decided to take part in the value-for-value value model. Your analysis of Pierce Morgan and the national gun control debate from last episode was spot on. And what has compelled me to donate and what has compelled me to it's that's what compelled him to donate. 
Please continue to expose the media mind control propaganda for what it is. I'm hoping to get jobs, 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 karma as I try to figure out what I'm going to do in a couple of years when I separate from the Air Force. Matt from Lost Wages, Nevada. <laughs> jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You thought karma. And that concludes 69, 69, dudes. Fat L in Tehachapi, California, 6611. Here's 66 on the sticks in honor of Jermaine's new rain stick. Many apologies for being a total... Hold on a second. I just want to say something. That ever since you did that rain stick on me, it's it's been raining in Austin three days nonstop. So I'm throwing it. No, no, no. I'm I am throwing it back at you. You're getting it. It's gonna rain in California. I'm blocking it. No, you're blocked, and I'm and I'm sending it I'm back your way. It. No, rain stick, rain stick a go go, rain stick a go go. You are going. It's going to rain in Berkeley. Rain in Berkeley. Brother. Uh, all right. Where were we? Oh yeah, Fat L, the rain stick. <coughs> Many apologies for being a total total boner. I've not donated recently. Strong work as always. I figured it was time to redeem myself with some cash and hits to the mouth in the wake of the Taft High School shooting. And he does have a clip of him calling him. We'll put this on the next show. He called uh, radio calls in show, and he was on uh, AM. And he put in uh, a bunch of stuff about douchebags. Yeah, it and was it was actually quite fun. I put it in the show notes. It's long though; it's like three and a half minutes, and the quality okay. is kind of crap. But it is very funny because he just keeps throwing all our memes in there, and then the idiot radio host is like, "Yeah, that's great. Thanks for calling." <laughs> idiot host. Yes, well, we can get away with this anyway. So Fat L's recording is in the show notes. He wants to don't eat me, Hillary. Shut up already. Karma. And a de-douching as well. And the nights. Yeah, and, 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 and a de-douching. Okay. You've been de-douched. Don't eat me, Hillary Clinton. Shut up already. Science. You've got karma. It's interesting. It's a good one. Yeah, works. like that. Works. No name in Den Haag. Uh-huh. 5555. Uh, spending three na- weeks in Gitmo Nation West in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, so I can finally listen to the No Agenda stream in the morning. Also uh, survive the ongoing regional pandemic without being vaccinated. I request swine flu karma jingles. It's the No Agenda Swine Flu Minute. You've got karma. It's called the Mexican flu. Benjamin Oliver, Birmingham, fifty-five, fifty-four. Hey, Icantina, I'd love it if you could mention a Kickstarter project my girlfriend's family have just launched. It's called Adastral Fashion, A-D-A-S-T-R-A-L, and it's a custom clothing company. Their aim is to cut out the middleman and provide a link directly to the factory out in Pakistan. This lets the customers be very specific about what they want down to a type of sleeve and ensures everyone working at the factory gets a fair slice of the pie. Hmm. Uh, they need a bit of help getting their project off the ground. It's not for everyone, but I thought it might be worth a mention since the no middleman approach kind of resonates with no agendas listeners. Anyways. Uh, That's kind of interesting. Hold on a second. Let's check it out for a second. A-D-A-S-T-R-A-L fashion.com. I've got their, uh, I've got their Kickstarter pitch. Hmm. Let me see if there's any music. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Now, with your fashion from Pakistan, 
Okay. Well, there's, there's, sometimes they have like a host or something. They don't have that. Bill Hutchinson in Calgary, Alberta, where all the money is. 5510. A yearly birthday gift to myself, a donation to the best podcast in the universe. Wish it could be more, but living off donations myself and moving my family of five from Canada to Australia last year was rather costly. Wow. I need to keep a no agenda minute man membership, though. I could realize it is less than going that it is less than the going voice over rate, but could Adam say, this is Adam Curry, co-host of No Agenda, the best podcast in the universe. Really co-host? Do you think that, is, is that what it, that doesn't sound like co-host. That sounds kind of like, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, what's the point of this? I don't know. Well, let's do it. I'll do something a little different. <laughs> this is Adam Curry, co-pilot of No Agenda, the best podcast in the universe. Now he wants you to say you are listening to Bill Hutchison, the accidental missionary. Hey, wait a minute. Am I being scammed into doing a jingle for him? <laughs> it sounds like it. Okay. Should I do it? I might as well yeah, do it. go ahead. You're listening to Bill. It would be funnier if you did it in like your, like your drunk voice. You're listening to Bill Hutchinson, the accidental missionary at BillHutchinson.org. Cheers, Bill. <laughs> that's better. Yeah, that's it. That's what you get. <laughs> yeah. David Trotsky in Romeoville, Illinois, <laughs> 5110. Double nickels on the dime. Birthday shout out to my oldest daughter, Mallory. She who turns list? 26 on the 14th. And also her daughter, my granddaughter, Aubrey, who yeah. turns nine. Ah, they're both on the list. All set. Okay. All good to go. To Richard Talmo in San Diego, California, 5026. I would like to donate this in memory of Aaron Schwartz, a man whose essence and technical contributions seem to pair well with what you two are doing. RSS, they drove him to suicide if he wasn't killed. RSS feeds an unveiling of truth. Certain there's some parallels, John and Adam. Keep up the good work, and please give a karma shot to all producers past and present. Without them, today's show isn't possible. That's true. I would like to say something about Aaron Schwartz. Um... So I have two theories on this. Theory number one, um, since he was the uh, co-author of RSS 1.0, theory one is that Dave Weiner killed him. That was that was the first thing I came up with, and um, that's where you're supposed to laugh. Yeah, it's hilarious. Hey, Dave, flat. I hope you think you realize it's a joke. <laughs> As if Dave ever listens to this show. Uh, I never, never this far. He's an Obama far. bot. He's a total Obama bot. Hey, I thought calling him a murderer was bad enough. You didn't have to, like, lay the Obama butt stuff on there. I didn't say Obama butt. So um, so here's the thing that uh, that bothers me, and before, we're almost done with the donation. So I, um, this was a very, very smart guy. And, um, you know, the, the typical reporting is like all you read is, you know, he was smart, he was great, he was intelligent, he was depressed, he hung himself. Smart guys, when they want to kill themselves, I just don't buy the hanging thing. It's like, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, huh, a really you know, smart guy would set up an insurance policy. Thank you. Thank you. Do all kinds of crazy things and do a little skydiving. Yes, you know? exactly. Have all kinds of stuff going on and just not. It's the hanging thing. Now that is that's so 17th century. Like it just doesn't make any sense anymore, and you know, and no one's questioning. There's not a thing. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's dead. He killed himself." Makes total sense. Total makes total sense. He they wanted to find him a million dollars, throw him in jail forever. Makes total sense. He was going to kill himself. I'm not buying it. In fact, I believe that he 
found something and he was trying to leverage his way out of, of whatever situation he was in with whatever information he had. And I think he might have had information about um, some shenanigans that went on with the most recent election, possibly. Um, you know, the there was some there's, there's a whole theory about voting machines and uh, the the owner you know, the, the I think the chairman of the the Spanish company that runs the voting machines um, he was he died unexpectedly you know they he ran he was run off the road by some other car I have a feeling that you know he, he was downloading a lot of stuff and he had a lot of information and a lot of uh, stuff from uh, the their Ministry of Justice. And I have a feeling that he was trying to leverage his way out of all this crap with whatever he found. And and I think I feel more comfortable with thinking that um, he was killed. I just can't buy this hanging thing. It just you know, and no one no one questions this. And by I'm the sure way, a lot of work to hang yourself. Don't most people they cut their wrists and sit in the bathtub? Or just take some, take some pills, or 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 you know. I mean, it's a lot of. I mean, for a guy's depressed, oh, you you know, you lose a lot of energy and depressed. Oh, then then you think you gotta, look at the work you got to go through to hang yourself. <laughs> you got to put I mean, up a rope and all this stuff. It's like no, I you, and know, you don't know that it's going to work. Exactly. That's also not a surefire nobody way. Nobody knows really about hanging. I mean, you, you know, is it, you, had, you had to fall a long distance and break your neck or you just choke while you're hanging there. I mean, nobody does not really explained. So uh, why would you do it? I don't I, I really don't like it. I, and, yeah, okay, and, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you on that. And I don't like anyway. that people aren't asking the question, you know, rest in no, peace, all cares. that. Because, you nah. know, and by the way, just the fact we're having this conversation, there will be people. Who are saying, I can't believe yet. I can't believe you are talking. He only just died. I can't believe it. I never get these letters. And I get it all the time. They're, they're already coming in now. Oh, it's a chat room. That's another reason. I don't. <laughs> no, no, the chat room, I think, is actually on board with this one. But, you know, it's like he was a hero. He was an annoying kid. I remember that. He was, you know, he was, he was way too smart. Um, and he would, he was just way too smart. I remember the early days or like blogging. Maybe he's things. not dead if he's that smart. Ooh. Who knows? Who knows? We know nothing because as usual, everyone just, Oh, well that, it's in the newspaper. Must That's be true. Checklist. It's yep. like a checklist of boom, a depression. Yeah. You're going to be indicted. Check, 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 check. Yeah. Suicide hanging. And you know, if, if a Corey Doctorow and Boing Boing uh, write about it, well, it's all true. Then it's all, uh, it's all good. See, it physically makes me burp just to talk about this. Robert Burzma. Wait, wait, wait I, I got to, I, I got to do the karma. Or is it Burzma? I can't do the. Yeah, I got to do the karma. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Richard, for getting us on that tangent. Got you on the tangent. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, Mickey and Adam. Rob from London. Thank you, Rob. Fifty bucks. And finally, Nick in McAllen, Texas, that which is right down the road from you. Uh. I've been listening to the show since episode 40 and never donated. Wow. The show is practically the only constant in my life. You two are the closest things I have to any sort of family. <laughs> Although I don't know you personally. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel it, We could make him feel like family. How about yeah, this? After years of following along <laughs> with your weekly conversations, twice weekly, I don't know what I would do if you had to quit. Can I get a de-douching and some karma for myself, you two, and for the love of my life and her and her new fiance? <laughs> what? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 
Sacramento either. You guys deserve more money, but I don't have any guy. I've got no more to give. Sorry. That's right. We just need more people to, to give out this type of uh, money. So we appreciate that and definitely want to give you a karma for that. You've got karma. Thank you very much. He wants a de-douching. And a de-douching, of course. <laughs> You've been de-douched. So as we are kind of in the slower months um, and uh, it is the beginning of the year, this is it's kind of typical. I would like to remind everyone that you can sign up for monthly uh, recurring donations. And if you have one, you may want to check and see that you still have it. Yeah, most pay- of the time you won't. Yeah, because PayPal has this crazy system where they just stop the monthly payments and don't tell you about it. And they may tell you they about tell it. They tell us. But they may tell you about it, and and then they'll say, uh, oh, no agenda, cancel your subscription. Which we've never done once ever. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense that no, we would No, actually, I take it back. One guy, here's the story. One guy said, I can't figure this out. Cancel my subscription. I got You got to cancel it. So I went to cancel it. And it was already PayPal canceled. PayPal had canceled it nine months earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's uh, so the guy. Wait, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. The guy wants me to cancel. He doesn't even know if he has the subscription anymore. It's not that hard to. Do you have a check? Do you have a like a a thing that comes in the mail? You know, it says American Express or Mastercard and shows you all your charges. And you might see the no agenda thing on there, and you just suddenly you don't see it anymore. Yeah, that's Maybe because if, it's gone. If you did that, it would be easier. It's gone. Just it's just gone. It just it just evaporates. Um, and also. If you uh, if you can support us in that manner, it really does help for us to fall back on when people are just like, eh, eh, because yeah. we we do get that people go, eh, just don't feel like donating. Now that does not deter us from doing the work. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. And I think we've done quite a bit of work. Uh, John had a, a lot of C-SPAN today. Which is work. And I got a zinger coming up, by the way. Oh, great. That's real work. And, you know, we we kind of deconstructed what uh, Pooper is trying to do as the Matrix closes. And this is it now. I mean, now you know that no matter what you do, you're not going to get any information from the mainstream media because, as Anderson Pooper himself said, I don't even understand the words coming out of his mouth. I mean, really? <laughs> really? Was it that hard, Pooper? Dvorak.org. <laughs> Sir Ray Jacobson congratulates himself, turning 51 today. Andrew Fight, 30 today. Jason Rutherford turned 33 on the 15th. Hey, old magic number for you. Bill Hutchinson, he celebrates today. And David Trotzi says happy birthday to his daughter, Mallory. She turns 26 tomorrow. And to his granddaughter, Aubrey. She turns 9 today. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. And uh, no nights. No nights. Zero. Zero on the nightage front. That's a shame. That is a shame. That is a shame. Hold on a second. Made our day. Hold on. Let me just pack up the hookers and blow. Hold on. So I got a couple couple clips. Hold on. Enter the second half of the show. What are you doing? I'm putting the hookers and blow away. Oh. Lightning to you. That sounds like uh, this rain stick again. <laughs> I got you. None of it. <laughs> no. Rain in Austin. Lightning in California. Swine flu. Swine flu. Swine flu. You can't beat well, let's my. Do, let's just 
This I got a standalone clip for starters. My stick is better than your stick. <sighs> My stick is pretty cool looking. I have a I have a standalone clip that I think is of great interest to everyone worldwide. Importance. And especially to some of our listeners. And I just found this to be a, a, an incredible clip. This was, this is the guy who's been on, the, I could have had more clips, Morris Davis, who was the chief prosecutor at Gitmo and quit in a huff. And he's going around the country talking about how we should have shut this thing down. It's a joke. You know what it costs to, to, to keep a person at Gitmo in a year? One person at Gitmo for one year? I think about $100,000. $850,000. Really? Per person. Holy crap. What, what, are they, what Are they serving him caviar through that hood? It's unbelievable. Anyway, he goes on about one thing or another. But this 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 prosecutor clip I have here. This clip was the eye opener. Actually, JC caught it when he was listening to this guy, and he goes, "I go, holy crap! This nobody knows this." And I mentioned, I think the drone program is another area where it's a mistake to talk about a program when we've got a military program that's governed by the laws of war. You know, where you hear people talk about, you know, these drone strikes, we use the principles of proportionality and military necessity and distinction and all the law of war rules that regulate the armed forces. And by following those rules, military personnel have combatant immunity. Where if, you know, if you kill during combat, it's not murder. You have immunity as a combatant. And then collateral damage is a corollary of that. You know, if you drop a bomb and it kills the bad guy and some people around them, as long as you uh, applied the principles uh, of the laws of war, then those deaths are collateral damage that are covered by combatant immunity. But the CIA has a drone program, and that's a civilian agency with civilian contractors. They're not part of the military, and the law of war doesn't apply. They don't have combatant immunity, and collateral damage uh, doesn't apply absent combatant immunity. So I'm not sure where we get the authority to send civilians around the world to commit what I believe is murder. And then finally we have the kill list. You know, where the president, uh, you know, when President Obama campaigned in 08, he talked about how the Bush policies were based on fear and we turned our back on our values and we were going to restore our reputation. But I don't recall President Bush having a kill list that gave him the unilateral authority to decide that an American needs to die without trial. Wow. Hold on. S step back. Step away from your speakers. Clip of the day. Wow. Murder. Yeah. Hey, if you're a drone operator, and I know a lot of you are, and you're listening to this show, think twice about that. Yeah, and it's like uh, this guy is no slouch, by the way. He knows his business. And when he said that, I went, holy crap. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's even mentioning this possibility. I think there is, because uh, I do know some people who are involved, of course, you know, some of our producers are involved in, in the drone program as civilians. And I think there is a, a knowledge of this. But, you know, once you get your kind of your, your credentials and you get the uh, – you know your classification, and because you know they do hand that out. You know the, the 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 Pentagon can essentially give you classification that you can look at top secret stuff. And I think if you're doing some drone killings, you you probably have that. And so people kind of forget. You know they feel like oh well whatever. You know I'm. Uh, <laughs> 
But wow. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, the funny thing is about this sort of thing, it's like the Nazis felt a certain way when they were obeying orders during World yeah, War II. Yeah, they loved Hitler. They loved Hitler. And they loved Hitler. It's like, you know, things like this can turn around, and next thing you know, you're standing trial uh, yeah. for yeah. murder. I have two words for you. Predator drones. There you go. He loves so them. now there's a, there's a they got another kind of a standalone clip I'll get out of the way, which I thought was interesting because it's kind of a the, apparently fear tactics in Israel are being employed, but there's kind of a there's kind of a gotcha to this story which I'll discuss after the thing plays. But 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 this is a this came from I, I believe though that this is Russia today, so they're you know they exaggerate for the benefit of the Russians. With Gaza was a chance for Tel Aviv to test its Iron Dome missile defense system. But Israelis are anxious, in part because of widespread media coverage of just how unprepared for war their country is. Many bomb shelters in residential buildings are run down and neglected or have become furniture storage rooms, while most of Israel's Arab citizens, about 20% of the population, lack shelters altogether. As the chances of war start looking all too real, the army says four times as many Israelis are collecting state-funded gas masks than they were several months ago. I'm a bit concerned. It's not like I think there's going to be a war, but um, just um, to subside my fear, uh, just in case. And with impending doomsday predictions circling the country, no one wants to be caught unprepared. All right. So that's a, kind of an interesting story. But let me ask you a rhetorical question. Okay. If uh, all of a sudden they set up shop in Austin and we're giving away state-funded gas masks. Giving them away. Would you get one? Hell yeah. i get a couple. Yeah, I yeah. would too. Hell Those yeah. Those things are cool. Yeah. I, and I'd be testing it out and I'd be doing all kinds of field testing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody wants a gas yeah. mask. So, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Meanwhile, Russia today uh, has this little, they do a bit, uh, which is getting more annoying the more I see it, because there's this little dweebish woman with a, with a microphone, and the, the tag around the microphone says, the resident. It doesn't say Russia today. It doesn't have the RT. Oh, really? You know, that little band. Yeah, what yeah. is that thing called? Yeah, it's a mic cube. A mic cube, right. A little cube on there. And, so they, and she's walking around, and she asks these questions. She's talking to people about getting out of Afghanistan and whether it's a money grab, what's a, is it a good idea, a bad idea. So she interviews a couple of people. Then she, right after the second guy who's a soldier, I guess, she goes into this diatribe, which is just Russia today giving us the needle as best it can. It's getting a little obvious. You don't think it's, it no. might be money and imperialism a little bit too? I don't believe that it is imperialism, no. And what about money? Do you think that oh. money might drive some of our reasons oh, for... Oh, of course, but money is going to help everybody. I, I don't think it's happening. I, I just came back from Afghanistan, so... Oh, so you don't believe that he's really going to pull the troops away? Uh, not entirely. I, I think that uh, I think that there, our presence there is important, and uh, as far as sustaining uh, what we've done so far. The bottom line is, we're so used to having U.S. troops all over the world, up in everyone's <laughs> business, that we probably can't imagine us pulling out of anywhere. And that makes Americans the world's bullies, whether we like it or not. Now, first of all, little twerp, you twerp from Russia today. That's who we are, and we love it. We're proud of being got the biggest kick We're out of proud that, yeah. of being the bullies of the world, okay? That's what we do. Of course, you know, we 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 don't have the the gas hooked up to 
to Europe to, uh, to you know to frick with every to fudge everybody like Putin, <laughs> you know, and go and, and you know and kill everybody, and you know it's like oh you know we need to lay a, a pipeline through Poland. I know, let's kill the entire government in a plane crash. Come on, come on. At least we're out there with our uniforms. You can see us coming. Okay, yeah, we don't pull crap. I mean, killing the whole government of Poland, which <laughs> yeah. is what they did. Yeah, come it's on, in, it's unconscionable. Yeah. Come on, come on. I now, if I can just switch gears. Yesterday, John was the third anniversary, third anniversary of the earthquake in Haiti. And oh yes! In fact, I was. I wished. I saw a lot of stuff on this. I almost got some clips. I do have no clips, but you have them, obviously. Uh, and there was all kinds of stuff going on. Oh yeah, uh, Bill Clinton was in Haiti, and everyone's like, "Oh yes, Bill Clinton visits Haiti on the third anniversary." And you know, it's like, "Oh, okay." So, if you have uh, not been listening to this program for the past three years, then you will have missed the fact that pretty much, well, first of all, the day after I said this whole earthquake thing was set up and it was an earthquake machine, you can believe me or not, um, but we have been tracking the billions of dollars that went absolutely everywhere except to people in Haiti who are still eating dirt cakes. Um, you know, they, they put in a musician as the president after they... They they kicked out his bandmate because he wasn't because he, his britches grew too big for him. They've given away all the mining concessions up there at the north. We had two, four, three presidents going. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. And the entire amount that those two shenanigan bozos collected, according to their recently closed fund, was $54 million. Please, so insulting. We do have some countries like Canada is now saying, hey, you know, we're shutting it down because we don't know what's going on. And I read these reports, and here, here's, the, here's the meme that is used. Here's the word. It's like, well, there was a lot of money that came in. And they had all these NGOs, which stands for non-governmental organization. And this is, this is where it always happens. And uh, because the, the money comes down from places like the Red Cross, who then they skim all their crap off the top first. They gotta have their big buildings and their big salaries. And they have big buildings and big salaries and nice staff cars. Then they're going to dole out the money to other NGOs, which are always classified as well-intended. They were well intended. Well, you know what? NGOs, we, this, this crap has got to stop. All of these, it's like the Robin Hood Foundation for Sandy. They had the party, the big, the big celebrity concert. They're now taking that money. They got hedge funds with the money and then they're going to give it to other NGOs. It never actually reaches the people at the bottom. This is what's so disgusting. There's still 280,000 people in Haiti who are eating dirt cakes and are pooping cholera. So Jonathan Katz wrote a book, and he's a total scam artist himself, as you'll hear in this little piece from the BBC. Um, and he, he assesses the situation in this little kind of like beautiful montage video. And then, of course, he goes straight into all kinds of bull crap about the billions of dollars that are just stolen. Stolen, I tell you. Stolen. And you sat there and you texted your $10 and watched the concert and felt great and then went to bed in your warm bed and thought you had solved something and changed your Twitter icon. You stupid losers. So here is the BBC report of what actually happened, what we've been saying for three years, and then unfortunately it goes into the total New World Order crap it always does. The frank answer is that it hasn't gone well. There was a feeling after the earthquake that a lot of help was coming, 
Uh, a lot of it was very visible. Militaries, planes filling the sky, boats filling the harbor. And by the way, a lot of that money went to the military operations. Repairs on ships were paid out of that money. Every, every single day that one aircraft carrier was out off of the coast of Haiti, it was like $80 million that they were charging to the charities to pay for that, for that carrier being there. Trucks appearing in, in the street carrying all kinds of aid. The phrase that Bill Clinton used was to build back better. And it's very obvious to anybody who's on the ground in Haiti right now, not just Haitian, that that didn't happen. There's barely been any building back. What has been built back certainly isn't better. And frankly, the lives of most people are, are, are harder than they were before. All evidence shows that the cholera epidemic was brought to Haiti by United Nations peacekeepers. After the earthquake, one of the major goals that the responders set for themselves uh, and one of the major justifications for the response was to prevent the outbreak of disease. <laughs> so the irony is that after all of this uh, noise and all of this panic about uh, a coming epidemic, the epidemic that was feared was actually caused by the responders themselves uh, and had absolutely no relation to the earthquake whatsoever. So one of the major themes of the book is really this question of us and them. And that no matter how hard we try, we often end up reducing conversations about Haiti and the international community in Haiti to a question of us and them. And Haitians can often do the same thing. And it's a really destructive way of thinking. All right. So this just goes into more bullcrap New World Order stuff. But let me just tell you one quick thing before I wrap this up about Haiti. Because we're going to do it again next year. You know, now there are hotels built, a huge Marriott uh, funded by the, the idiot douchebag uh, from Ireland, Digicel, the owner there. He sues people for even saying that he's an idiot douchebag. So you're an idiot douchebag, you Irish Digicel douchebag. Building Marriott hotels, Bill Clinton building hotels, cruise ships are you know dropping off tourists, and the hotel is built so that you don't see actual Port-au-Prince tent camps. The whole thing is just completely disgusting. But Haiti was actually a free country. They had freed themselves from the tyranny of France, and they had a debt. And this debt partially was paid back from the money that you sent to help these poor people who were living in, in dirt. It went to France. <laughs> hey, so that guy that you clipped, I, he was also on The World, and if you go to theworld.org, you, you can listen to that clip. At the very end of the clip, and I was going to clip this for the show, but I have too many clips already. At the very end of the clip, they said, well, we're going to have a special, we're going to continue this on the website, and he's going to discuss where all the money went with account, some sort of accounting. Never appeared. Never. No, of course not. He's just selling a book. Yeah, he's a book tour. And remember, I, I, I'm, there's two things I mentioned on the last show. One, Molly. No sooner had I said, watch out for Molly, than the French are now bombing terrorists in Mali. You seen this? Yeah, well, we've been following the Mali thing. Yep. And uh, I also said, be on the lookout for this women drinking thing and binge drinking thing. And our one Pakistani producer, well, you know, you know, you know how they are, sent me uh, a, a scan. It's in the show notes of a newspaper 
in Pakistan. And here it is, page 20. Don't miss. Binge drinking is a growing problem amongst Indian women, not only in the metros, but in smaller towns as well. Starting January 13th, 91 foreigners, all recovering alcoholics, will tour the country, teaching their Indian counterparts to step back before tipping over. So there is something going on with this, with this women, women getting drunk stuff. Yeah, the WBRC station says report more women binge drinking than men. And, and check CDC, this. Capital of the Gazette, the CDC says binge drinking can be worse for women. Of course, we did that last show. Yep. Well, here's, here's one that showed up today. I think this is The National. Always real. Lady Gaga lighting up a joint on stage in Amsterdam. Singer Lana Del Rey sharing one in her video, Born to Die. Rihanna posting suggestive pictures on Twitter. A lot of young celebrities, and a lot of them women, aren't just using pot. They're publicizing it. A lot of them women, celebrities. There's something about it. There's something, there's something yeah, there's going something on. Up. We'll figure it out. Yeah, eventually we will. Eventually. When we Probably get... we'll figure it out before anybody else does. And... Uh, mm. So amidst all of this, a report, the Scotland Yard uh, released a report about Jimmy Savile. Of course, no one paid any attention to it. Um, it was so, so, it's so funny. So the report, the details, I think like over 250 complaints that they've now researched. <laughs> they're, they're ignored. 250. And let me just yeah. play, let me just play the clip for you because it's, it's, it's hilarious. Because I want you to remember the guy received a papal knighthood from the Pope. He received a knighthood from the Queen. He uh, was best buddies with Margaret Thatcher and her husband. You know, at a certain point, you've got to think, was this guy maybe just uh, arranging uh, the goods for all of the pedophiles of the UK? I mean, come on. The Catholic Church. We know what, We know what's been going on there. No one gets a, How many people do you know have had a papal knighthood who are also a celebrity? I don't know anyone who's got a papal knighthood. Exactly. You know, this guy was in the upper echelon of all elites, you know, hanging out with Prince Charles. There's, there has to be, a, I'm telling you, they eat yeah, children. this is your basic theory, but play the clip. According to the report by London's Metropolitan Police and a child protection charity, Savile used his celebrity status to hide in plain sight. Police say they are aware of 214 criminal offenses recorded against him. Savile was never brought to justice, and his victims have been left looking for some kind of resolution. CNN's Matthew Chance has been hearing all the details of the investigation. He joins us now from police headquarters. Scotland Yard. Matthew, what more does that report reveal? Uh, well, it reveals quite a lot. One of the, one of the issues you, you just brought up is, of course, that Jimmy Savile is dead. There isn't going to be a criminal prosecution against him. Uh, and, uh, and this report, which I've got in my hand here, called Giving Victims a Voice, is an attempt by the police here in London that have been leading this investigation into the, uh, uh, the goings-on of, of Jimmy Savile, uh, say that it's their attempt to try and at least get down an, on, in document form uh, all of these testimonies that they've received over this period of more than 50 years. 
years, from 1955 to 2009, they've been hearing um, evidence uh, from people who say they were abused during that period. 450 complaints in total <laughs> so far uh, made against uh, Jimmy Savile. <laughs> 214 of them, as you mentioned, have been recorded as actual abuses. Amongst those 214 uh, is included 34 instances of uh, rape. The, the age group of the victims is also quite astonishing, between 8 years old and 47 years old. So, a copy of the report in the show notes. Go have a look at that. It's crazy. Like, oh, well, at least we have More a report. More good work by Scotland Yard. <laughs> at least we have a report. <laughs> like a bunch of a-holes. Yeah, uh, there's all kinds of... Uh, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, you, you, you clearly shut me down. You don't want me to talk about it anymore. I get it. I, well, I, I, you can make... You, you, you it gets boring. I know, I, the, uh, I know it gets boring. Preoccupied. Unlike this. this. President Obama paid a visit to a clinic at the Pentagon this weekend, but don't worry, it wasn't for a case of the flu. The White House tells us that it was just a, quote, routine fitness evaluation, the results of which will be released by the end of the month. The president's last exam in 2011 found the longtime smoker to be tobacco-free and consuming a healthy diet. Yeah, interestingly enough, I checked uh, the last time he went to have a checkup. He didn't go to the Pentagon. What, did they have to put new batteries in them or something? Yeah, they got to put new batteries in them. That's exactly the same thing I was thinking. You beat me to it. It makes no sense. No president has ever gone to the Pentagon for his checkup. Well, they do if he's a lizard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have FBA. Uh, You can't laugh too much. What is that called again? You can't even remember it. Was it FAB, FBA? That thing's going. That, by the way, that is going nowhere. Someone, uh, one of our producers wrote and said that, you know, the cure for that is actually cough medicine, that, that diamethylene tryptowaka, waka laka, whatever it was. Uh, that- yeah, the, method, the bromide thing or whatever it is they put in, the dimethylene, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, he said whatever that was. It's the codeine it's, substitute. Yeah, it's, it's basically just drinking some cough, cough syrup for this, I mean, it's a crazy, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up right now. It's, it's a crazy thing. Uh, and it's FDA approved. Well, uh, yeah. Dimethylene bromide, is that what it is? I think that's what it was. Let me see. Show notes. I got it here. Hold on. Uh, PBA. Pseudobulbar effect. <laughs> Bulbar. <laughs> Pseudobulbar effect. That's what it was. And uh, you got to look it up again if you want to see what the... Uh... But anyway, uh, the the cure being sold by that guy... Dr. Fellis, J- Dr. Jonathan Fellis, is nothing more than cough medicine. Huh. Yeah. And we fell for it. Well, we did. Okay, well, I think we're done. You ha- Did you not have an end of no, show no, clip I got or that. something? We can push those off to another show It's a, because it's kind of a concise tr- trio. And, I, and to be honest about it, my end of show clip is like so weird. If you want to, I, I think we're done. I think we got no, no, I, stuff. No, no, I think we're done. And we can keep it. We would, you know... I will be here on Thursday. How about you? I intend to be here producing nothing but <laughs> listening and being on the show that you produce. Producing nothing. He produces nothing. Exactly. But I will be, uh, well, actually, I produce from my own website. But 
I will be here with C-SPAN clips in tow. Yep. Uh, the Kennedy clips, which I we're just going to save, which is a, a guy came out with a book on Joseph Kennedy. There was a great, oh, cool. great, uh, a lot of great material. He gave a great speech on book TV on C-SPAN. I watched the whole thing. It's very interesting. Nice. And uh, probably catch a few more things in the meantime. Okie dokie. Very educational. Well, um, I shall uh, be doing the same. And probably uh, reading some legislation, which is always fun. And why don't you try to dig up that 1972 treaty? I will. That's a good idea. I will. And I will also make it rain in California! Coming to you from Tejas, Austin, Texas. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. Uh oh, looks like it's going to rain there. I'm and from Northern Silicon Valley. Hey, Northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Make it rain, Dvorak. <laughs> the best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org/slash/na.